2: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Get Tucked Podcast. I am your host, Tuck. How are you all today? I feel exceptionally solid. This week is going to be pretty fantastic for me. If all goes to plan, I will be launching a new business this Friday. I've spoken a little bit about it in the past few weeks, but I can't wait to give you all the goods. It's probably the most screamo business on the entire planet. So I think you all will find a little bit of appreciation for it. This week on the Get Tucked Podcast, we have my bald and beautiful brother, Ryan Neff. I was for sure a fan of Miss May I before I was in Fit for a King. It's kind of wild to think about how many shows we've now played together and the friendship we've made. Neff is one of the kindest dudes I've met. He's helped me learn. He's lent me guitars when mine break and always had my back. This was a super great chat with a great dude, and I hope you all love it. This one is Relentless Chaos. To start you with this this sound
0: Ooh, wow that's really nice a light a, I like that. a light roast for one of your most roasted friends
2: Absolutely, i yeah i'm currently working on being more roasted um and it's nice i have my little vape my bowl and a nice cup of coffee you know it's funny i have a um fox in the snow coffee mug right now that i'm drinking out of oh from yeah Columbus, ohio oh yeah there you go Little Ohio love as we're uh, having this lovely chat with one of my favorite Ohio people. An eight dollar latte lot- Ohio person. an eight
0: dollar latte every time, but worth it every time.
2: Absolutely. Well when you can just walk out with a mug, you know yeah. it's worth it. No, I'm just kidding. I bought mine, but I do. <laughs> you could
0: just walk when you could just steal the mug. Yeah. Well it's a great mug. It really is. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. One of my last um, Columbus pre quarantine events that I can remember was uh Wyatt and I went and uh had coffee there. Sat in their little recliners right there by the bar. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Fond, I love that place. Fond they have memories. good breakfast sandwiches too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: back when we had freedom and we could go to get coffee. Yeah,
0: yeah. But now we can't. No. Now you got to make it in
2: your room and drink it
0: by yourself like a weirdo.
2: Yeah, I do I do well with that, though. But honestly, it's made me closer with the guys that work at the bodega down the street because I go over there to get a breakfast sandwich and a cup of coffee when I don't feel like doing it myself in the morning. And, uh, you know, I feel closer to them now. Yeah, I found a really new nice spot to me. They say hi to me now.
0: I, yeah. I, I haven't been going to the same spot that I would normally go to because I wanted to find a place I could walk to because you know how walking somewhere will kill another you know, 30, 40 minutes oh, of yeah. your day. So I found a, great. I found a spot closer and I've been going to a new one over here in the village that I live in. Fox in the snow is probably it's walkable if I'm if I'm feeling frisky, but it's a bit hot at the moment, so I found a closer Dude. one.
2: Yeah, yesterday was like ninety-six. I was roasted. Yeah. It's terrible. I've been didn't want to go outside at all.
0: That. I've been running to stay sane and uh this week has just been miserable for it. I even ran it. I ran it at 10 a.m. yesterday and it was already 86 or something it's ridiculous so I've been telling myself I'm gonna start
2: running for about the whole quarantine and I haven't done it yet what actually got you to start doing it you you well you were doing yeah it, I've been doing it for years right yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah it's an anxiety squasher for me I have a hard time yeah. keeping my anxiety at a at a, a controllable level in regular times um and it's only been worse during the shutdown and plop and everything since the quarantine started because we were on tour together when all this started. Uh yes. And uh having
2: so much fun. Yeah.
0: And so as soon as I came home, you know, shit got real. So um the running is like a good way for me to just do something during the day where I can feel like I I did something productive. Yeah.
2: Well, I live like fifteen minutes from like Coney Island and stuff, and I tell myself that all the time I'm just gonna drive over there I'm gonna go run the boardwalk It's gonna be great because if I didn't <laughs> i i treat myself like such a <laughs> fucking trash panda that if I would actually do cardio more you know other than just like you know when I used to lift weights and that was also four months ago um but I feel like I'd perform Yeah, much better, you've always been you know. a
0: you've always been more <coughs> so choked to my coffee. You've always been more of a weightlifter, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I prefer the meathead stuff. I like lifting heavy things and like making my muscles big. Yeah, and I'm um, so
0: tiny and aerodynamic that the, the weightlifting intimidates me, but I glide through the wind because I'm bald and, and yeah, so dude. skinny. It's, it's a natural uh, fit for me to do the running.
2: Yeah, even when I was younger and did like track in high school, like I was good at sprinting, but I hated distance running. I just feel like my legs are heavy and it sucks, and I don't move like that. But um, I want to change that because I'm getting older, and I'm gonna die if I don't. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself: is if I don't like actually start to do more practical exercising, I'm just gonna have heart problems.
0: Well, I fixed. I'm not boozing real hard now that we're home because I don't like to. I think it's kinda weird to just sit and drink by it's myself. Sad by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm taking care of that. <laughs> but I'm making up for yeah. that by just eating so much goddamn sugar. Uh oh yeah. Yeah. So the I, Every night. Yeah. 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 So that's my that's my dietary issue now is the how much candy am I gonna eat uh today? Um Last night I actually I, I drank. Have, I, I I had some Manhattan's last night and whoo they kicked my they kicked my ass this morning. Nice. I woke up extra early to kind of burn off the residuals of of drinking. It it kind of impresses me that I can do that so much on the road and, and be fine, that I do it at my house. And today I, I really felt my age when I woke up.
2: Oh, yeah, I think when you don't, like, you know, at the moment, I think I can get buzzed off, like, two seltzers, which is pretty sweet. Um, But, you know, you work up that tolerance, you know, when you're on the road and everyone's like, all right, work is over. We've got beers. Let's do it. Yeah. you know, especially, you know, you find yourself around Pablo, and then Pablo's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, have fun. And then <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, like, that sounds great. And I'm, you know, pretty lame. I'm definitely more of the late-night stoner crowd. But sometimes you get around these guys that you just can't not have fun. You know? Yeah. You
0: have to do it. Yeah. So, I was actually very happy with that that lineup that you guys put together. I was having a very, very good time. That was my second time doing, like, a crew thing. Uh, G- mm-hmm. Grin's the only band I've ever worked for besides my band. I do all the TM stuff for my band too, but it's a you know it's different. It's just my boys. It's, it's kind of more like a dad thing with yeah. them. But um, with Grin, that one was a blast. The the one I did with them first was there were no bands on the tour that I knew besides them. Uh, was this the headliner? Yeah, and then and then I did the tour that you put together, and I already knew every single band so i mean we walked into that first day of tour and it was it was awesome
2: yeah for those listening the first tour he's referencing was a chelsea Grin headliner with the acacia strain body snatcher lorna shore and
0: who else was on that uh, band? it was actually acacia spite spite um who were yes. so sick um the band is great left behind Ooh, yes the, love those boys west virginia boys right and then yeah,
2: we got to tour with them last uh, well, you know, last summer when we did a headliner. And and uh break. Traders.
0: Traders was also cool. on. It. Yeah,
2: it was okay, so crazy a crazy road. heavy oh, but, tour. Yeah. Well, that makes sense that they wouldn't be. Um but I, you know, rumor has it they have a new vocalist. Ooh. Do you guys want to know who it is? Everyone listening. I could tell you right now. It's <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I'm not going to say it. But I do know because I have a plethora of knowledge when it comes to screamo and um Actually, I, I stumbled upon it, but um, it was kind of a mistake that I found out. But it might be common knowledge at this point. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this moment about Lorna Shore. But I saw that video that Lil Uzi Vert moshed to them, and I think that's fucking cool.
0: Yeah, that's how I met Tom. was uh, was when he was still with Lorna. Yeah, um, he's great. Yeah, we Miss May. I got to take Lorna on a tour, and uh, that's when I met Tom. And he's out of town right now, but he lives in Columbus, too. And I can't wait for him to get back. What? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been staying in Columbus since after the uh, quarantine. He's out oh. recording something right now, I'm pretty sure. But I'm ready for him to come back. I don't have very many people that I know here. So whenever he's in town, I'm, I'm uh, pretty stoked about that.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought he would still be in New Jersey. But um,
0: very cool. Good for him.
2: Yeah, I like both of those bands. I like both of those vocalists. I mean, well, apart from the one that they had to boot, because that guy fucking, his whole, did you see that
0: apology that kid did? No, you know what, man? I actually deleted my Twitter. I deleted my Facebook. The only one that I have is Instagram, and I don't keep it installed on my phone. I only God bless your heart. I only install it when, uh, when I, I, so I reinstall it every day, because it's not like I'm not posting something every day. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just uh, during the quarantine, I, I I felt a little weird about. Uh, I was doing the self comparison thing, you know, really feeling bad about not uh, doing as many creative ventures as everybody else, and um, yes. really dragging myself down. I was in a in a bit of a lull creatively anyway, because my band was supposed to be recording a record in june so the whole plan was to kind of be quiet at the moment anyway so i didn't really have any projects going on um and then even that got delayed because of the uh covid stuff so i just wanted a a chance to um quiet the the noise for a minute i've never done that for myself i've been going hard at it since like yeah oh eight and, and Well, you've been at it for a minute,
2: and you guys have been relevant since you were in high school. Yeah, so it's, and I keep my head— You know, head, it's different. You've always been in the limelight.
0: I keep my head in the game, too, and I think, yeah. I, think I needed a, a mental break there for a minute. Uh, so, no, I, I actually hear about this stuff usually uh, like third-hand from somebody else when I have a studio session with someone, and they're like, hey, did you hear about this? And I'm like, no, I did not. And then I look it up, yeah. and I'm like,
1: good God.
2: Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of days where I deleted my shit, but then I've been back on it and just been trying to post fun stuff. Like, I don't know, story of the year lyrics, for instance. Um, but yeah, I've just—it's interesting to, to see how some of
0: mindset, which is not yeah. not easy to do, when you just look at how nope. cool your year was last year, and uh, and then you look yeah. at this year and you're like, I don't have any control over what's what's going on.
2: Yeah, the reality is, I will have played five shows, or technically worked. You know, maybe if you got the prep before it, two weeks in the year twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So I- this year has pretty much fucked me. But today I got my back pay. I opened my bank account and motherfucker, I got all my back pay from when we first got booted off the tour until I got my unemployment. Very so, cool. thank you, the government god. For giving me that fucking money because I owe a lot yeah. of taxes, so yeah, there we go.
0: So I, my last show was um, right around Christmas of nineteen, and my last tour ended August third of nineteen, uh, as far as playing. So I assume by the time pandemic ends, I will have gone almost two years between performances crazy yeah
2: but it'll be great when you come back out man it's gonna be awesome especially with the new
0: record and i'm looking forward to the to the uh nervous adrenaline that i'll have um i actually really thrive in that moment where you're like oh shit is this gonna happen is this gonna work um and you don't get that when you sit at your house uh so that's what i'm i'm looking forward to that nervous energy yeah um I guess I'll get that in the studio. I'll probably get that when I when I got it. He gets some. I'm tracking sure. with somebody new this time and that first few times you you track.
2: Working with Putney is great though, man. Yeah. You're gonna be really comfortable. He is the kindest, like just yeah, I don't know. He really he's great guidance when you're tracking, especially I had my first Fit for a King record, which was with him. And that was my first time ever making like a real album. And he truly put me at ease and helped me and made me feel comfortable. And I think that you know that's why so many people go back to Will Putney and continue to work with him, and I think that he's even going to get a broader stroke of styles now that that four-year strong record that he just did is fucking phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so well, good. I don't know if I we've don't. even said who were who we're doing it with anywhere yet, and I'll probably get an email about that at some point. Like, why did you do that? But you know, it, to me, we we've worked with so many different people, and I know him well from. When I recorded with Machine in 2012, yes. um, but we didn't work with him directly. And uh, this time um, will be my first time uh, working with them. Dr- and then Nick again, uh, th- who we've worked with like three, this will be the third one in a row. So that'll be cool and familiar. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, for those
2: listening, we're talking about Nick Sampson, who also, if you are a fan of Fit for a King, Nick um, recorded, produced, and mixed um, Death Grip. So love that dude. Great guy. Had Didn't I mail you reporting. some
1: pedals when pedals. you did that?
2: Mm-hmm. We, used the, we blended the B7K and the B3K, but this was back when you had your originals, too. Oh,
0: before they had blended them into the the Ultra. Now you can have the Ultra, and it's both in one, I believe.
2: Yeah, I just have the X seven now, um too. Or are you talking about the B seven K Ultra? Yeah,
0: so I still have yeah. I'm still using the Ultra. Um well now that I have the Kemper, I don't actually use it at all. But the uh, um the one I use at home for my main DI when I'm tracking these demos is uh I have the B seven K Ultra. But I just got the, the, the Neural plug in, the dark glass plug in as well, which is really neat. I need to get that. It's pretty Uh, cool. Didn't
2: you like it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Are you just using it for home recordings, or are you going to use it in your Kemper rig?
0: Uh, So I was using it. Last time we toured together, I was still using it live. And what I would do is I would run it before the Kemper, and I would run it without the overdrive on. So it was just a a pickup shaper, basically. Cool. um, To really beef up the, the instrument before the Kemper. And then the Kemper was a... Uh, what is the head that you have? The dark glass head? Oh, the M900. So I have the M900 um, as my amp. And then I had a um, a uh, 4x12 cab that I really liked as the cab in the Kemper. So I had this kind of... Very sick. Yeah, cyborg kind of rig, like multiple pieces. But what we see,
2: I thought you were running an analog piece beforehand. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm glad I remembered that. Um, and then, um, jazz, So, for those listening, just to clarify, we're talking about a dark glass B7K. The Ultra. Running, But the B7 k Ultra. And then. Running
0: in undriven. Yeah, you keep the, into bi- the, the bypass is on, but the distortion is off. So, you're not yeah. driving the signal. You're not, uh, uh, it's basically, uh, just reshaping the pickup tone a little bit. Um, but that was before Kiesel. And then when I switched to Kiesel and found some pickups that I liked more, cause that's when I was struggling with that, uh, Mustang that I was trying to build myself mm-hmm. and I just kept botching it it just wasn't you got the
2: emgs installed into it and got some like hip shot tuners on it right
0: yeah so i just fixed it and now it's working great but when i was working on it on the road i just did a bad job and it just was falling apart and then it didn't help that i threw the thing at the newport and the tuners exploded off of it i mean that obviously doesn't do me any good but uh looked cool and then i stood on it you know just being just being angry being a rock and roll angry rock and roller yeah Yeah, I like it. So then we played um, ABR's – I did the summer monument throwback tour last year, still using the the B7K in the front, but I I had some Kiesels then. Um, And then when we did our last two shows of the year, which were ABR's home show um, and then our home show in the same weekend somewhere around Christmas – uh, we removed the B7K in the front by um, just really diving in and creating a tone from scratch on the Kemper. Um, cool. I was able to find all the pieces that I was using and upload them into the Kemper anyway. Uh, so now it's actually just one you know one line straight into oh, that's the, awesome. yeah straight into the Kemper. The
2: pickups on the Kiesel are pretty intense like being able to have so many tonal choices on them is is pretty uh pretty astounding like when I actually plugged into my rig and was working on it with Brian before doing um, some stuff this past week um, what, uh, everyone was pretty impressed with it What pickups it.
0: Yeah. are you using right now
2: It is the humbuckers that come they look more the like a, you know style. a jazz style yeah, yeah. Um, those are cool, and they're pretty cool. I never had. Those. I was into I'd it. I never
0: had a, yeah. a um, set of modern humbuckers, which sounds crazy, but I'd never had. Having not played music, man, uh, I was always Fender, so I was always a P or a J. Uh, yeah. Even when I had my Jacksons built, I had them built with a PJ setup. Yeah, and so the ones that I'm
2: building with Kiesel, I'm gonna have just the fat like Music Man style, yeah. Aguilar style humbucker in them, um, and that's just what I'm used to and like. But my band is all just Clank City anyway. Yeah, so,
0: so mine, yeah. my favorite build from them is I had a Thanos built, and I went headless. That's the orange one, right? Yeah, I went headless as well, yeah. and it's their jazz pickups, and they're my favorite. Uh, they're my favorite. The just two jazz pickups run in the center, um, and they're they're great. I remember I was texting Jeff about it. I was like, hey, my favorite Fender that I ever played was this blue jazz that got stolen and a Marcus Miller that got stolen. Story of my story of my career. Um, but they yes. were both just dual jazz pickups, one at the neck, one at the bridge. And uh, I was like, I'd like to try the jazz. And he was like, I, I asked him, I was like, how hot are these? Jazz pickups, and uh, he said something like, they are the hottest. I I shit you not. And I was like, okay. And so I got him, yeah. and he was right. So I think I'm going to stick with jazz, all jazz pickups. You know, we, on,
2: on the Dark Skies uh, recording, we shot out, Drew had an American Fender Jazz 5, and I had my Music Mans, one of which had just been um, worked on and updated and we shot them back and forth, and it really is Apples and Oranges. I know, I isn't it say crazy? That, yeah, I wouldn't say that one is like, oh, the music man smokes the Fender, yeah. the Fender smokes the music man. It's like, this is really a preference thing. And for me, I always liked a little bit more of the like low-end girth, which yeah. I get a little bit more out of my music mans. Um, I like the round but,
0: ping yeah. of the jazz pickup. Um mm-hmm. So if you so for people listening that might not hear this difference, uh, like alkaline trio, the yes. that is what that ping that roundness is what I like the the top end of being able to cut through the mix. Yeah, because I'm yeah. doing a lot of quick rooting in my stuff. Um, I'm following riffs a fair a fair amount, but um, the the more beefy the pickup, the more like the P bass pickup has this rasp to it this um it almost sounds like a ceramic cough is the way i would describe it and when i when i play in the upper register with those pickups it kind of woofs out the the mid-range riffs Mm -hmm. um but the jazz ones uh it doesn't seem to woof out as much it just keeps this nice ping on top of it so you've you've got like a nice support under the guitar without it Overtaking, I think a lot of that too is we're tuned so much higher than you guys that um, I still have this really loud mid-range uh, in my in my tuning. We actually tuned a lot lower in a lot of these new demos, so I've been uh, playing around. Yeah, that was moving. something that you
2: and I were talking about beforehand. Yeah, when you were questioning to have to go five string, and for people like us with who are like shorter guys with smaller hands, like I i don't feel comfortable on a five string i've done it i've done the Dingwall. i've done um you know now having a stingray five as well just not for me but you can tune i mean we're in f in a force on a four string and i know i think you guys were saying you're playing in some stuff in G.
0: yeah so i've got one and it's in drop g not g standard though we have some stuff we we do have some standard tuning songs they're different um Different tunings, but in a in a Sick. standard. Uh, but the G ones were are in a drop G right now, and I took a Kiesel PB four, uh, which is a normal thirty four inch scale, um, and it's in G right now. And I think the trick is going to be I'm uh, I'm demoing the at home the bass tracks. Like we get together in a studio to do everything, but then just to save time and not have to pay studio time. Um, just to record the bass, it's really not necessary. Uh, yeah, I I'll just record them at home, send them to Justin and, uh, I need to get the correct string gauge. Um, the contact core, uh, which GHS makes are my favorite. It's the, they're the, um, tapered strings at the bottom. Okay. Those are going to be the key for me. I did not have the right tapered one here at the house to do it, but, uh,
2: so did you have to like um, work on your nut in order to have them sit?
0: Uh, whatever Kiesel did to send me that bass, I think they sent it to me in A, so it really wasn't that far of a drop. I kept the same size cool. strings I was using for A, or sorry, A-sharp. Um, I kept the same size strings on it for G, but um, I'm noticing that with the the way the headless Thanos works, it's set up in A right now, and the, the largest string you can fit on there um, in the... To, to close the nut at the top, uh, the the hex bolt at the top to keep the string in is about a one thirty. So I'm playing an A with a one thirty, but it's a tapered string, so it has. See, interesting because so on the um, strength, and that's what I need in G right now that I don't have is I have yeah, a, I have a very thick normal string on there, and it's hard to get that that bitch to move. Um, See, that's t- that's
2: uh, I guess that's just situational with the guitar because on the icon that i'm using um which is also made by kiesel i have a 145 on there um but it also has a headstock
0: yeah that's a good point um so you've got extra length at the top there and it's wound yeah um this is the only headless model i have and i think i'll probably stick with this i'm supposed to speak with jeff soon and try and figure out what to build um because with it being a 130 as the largest string on a standard four with the headless model I'm thinking about doing a multi- scale 4 which will add a tiny bit of length to the neck um, on the top string uh, and then that should give me the ability to use a 130 still but with that extended length it should be a much stronger oh, and yeah. stiffer string uh, with that same gauge and then it it should sound a little bit better. It's cool though. I I, oh, yeah. I didn't think I'd be able to tune that low on a, on a four, but it's working out fine. I wish when I had a
2: Dingwall, it was great. I mean, that being it's like 37 inches extended and meets at like 34 and a half, I believe. Um, and it felt great having those strings on there. You could really riff on it and those things are freaking phenomenal. Yeah. They're expensive as shit, but they're great. Yeah. Um, probably one of the best bang for your buck guitars you can get where there's a band um that I've been working with from Atlanta called Left to Suffer a bit and their bass player just bought an NG5 and it's
0: why I just did the Things same thing just, dude I was just doing a session with some guys in Cincinnati here recently and uh working on some um some chorus melodies with them and uh their bass player busted out his uh What'd you say, N G five? Is that the five multi scale yeah. model? Yeah, he busted it out and I was like, Good God. This it's Nolly from crazy. Peripheries. Yeah, model. I flipped it over and on the on the uh, control plate it actually says that it's his signature. I was like, What a badass dude. It's one thing oh, I've yeah, never got, got to do base. that I would I would love to have the opportunity to do is have a signature out there someday. I've I've been lucky to do customs. I've worked with really neat big companies and been on their roster and you know had the support of big companies but I've never had had one that um, somebody who just likes my playing style could also purchase. I can yeah. I can tell people what it's to buy. It's some dream stuff. Yeah, I can tell people exactly what to buy which I've done a bunch of times cuz you can always buy whatever I have but um, there's never been one with like my name on it that you could buy which would be really neat. Justin's got one. Justin's got this dope Charvel
2: yeah, his SIG is awesome. <laughs> it's really and, um, yeah.
0: It's really sick. Yeah, it's
2: been a pretty popular guitar, but I love Charvel's. I th- wish that they made basses still. Uh, to my knowledge they don't. No, they don't. But um,
0: Jackson Jackson, Charvell and Fender are all under the same umbrella, so I've See Jackson basses are
2: so interesting though because they have some of the coolest looking models for sure. But they're either really cheap or like the David Ellison. We've talked like about 30, that so many times.
0: Yeah. So yeah. And I don't I don't like playing somebody else's signature very much because I just don't – I can't mod it. Um, it's just not – it just doesn't feel appropriate to mod somebody else's signature. That's why they built it the way they did. Uh, so I never wanted – I did. To, one
2: of my new Kiesels is a signature that I mod. You got the
0: uh, Aaron Patrick one?
2: Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I did, but I'm just going single fat humbucker. Yeah,
0: Um, that's a cool body. It's like a big old Telecaster looking body, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, it's it's like the G and L ASAT series. Um, So I went. It's just a Telecaster body with a roasted maple neck, and then instead of it being the orange burst finish, mine is like a lavender to dark purple
0: to black. Yeah, um, those color combos they can do are insane. I actually. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to do a Thanos. uh, I'm going to keep that body style, I think. Um, I'm going to do a Thanos again, jazz pickups again, but it'll be a multi-scale. And I have no fucking idea on the color scheme because the amount of color options is overwhelming with them. It is the most difficult part of the process. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah. Can that's do why one anything. of it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, one of
2: the customs I'm doing, I went you know pretty you know from scratch on it, and it's like a P model um, that I'm building. And then the other one is just you know I didn't really change errands that much other than like color and you know pickup yeah. configuration. But you want to know it's one base I was thinking about the other day where I was like, man, I haven't seen anybody do this. It would be really interesting if someone took a Music Man bongo but put the Music Man um, Stingray headstock on it.
0: Yeah. David plays bongos, and they're
2: beautiful, man. They're gorgeous. Yeah, his are some of the sickest basses I've
0: seen. Yeah. I love He's his He's the man. He so shreds, much. too.
2: And he had that, um, That uh, you know, I guess what it's kind of purplish. Like fuchsia. The fuchsia yeah. one, he did that years before. It's now a you can go to music Man's site and yeah with it. the, but with that's the really sparkle
0: him. flake in the in the paint mm-hmm. yeah i i think he was salty about that
2: <laughs> yeah dude i mean cuz it was interesting during that sa- in on that same year there was that and then also my green stingray that i had built they released as a production model it was like a forest
0: in- kind of green right uh-huh
2: and at nam they finally told me that that's where they got the idea. Yeah, and I was like, ah, yeah, motherfuckers. But um, I still love them to death. I am still playing Ernie Ball strings. I love my rep Tim. He is ex- incredibly kind to me. Um, it was just, ready. Yeah.
0: I was ready to try something new. I think when um, we switch these companies, people might think that it's like a sports roster where we're like switching teams, and like now they're the enemy, but. Uh, In reality, the way these things work is there's someone like us at these companies who loves music and and loves instruments, and you just – most of the time, you just get lucky or fortunate, and you come across a meeting with that person at that company, and you just kind of work together on some cool instruments for as long as that relationship um, goes, and it's always different, Uh, but – for the most part, it's not like when you leave that company that you're like blacklisted from ever working with. I mean, yeah. you're still like I'm still boys with with Billy at Fender and and Tempesta at Fender and Jackson, who I was working with for probably a, a decade. Kiesel's the only company I've ever played besides Fender. Um, I still have every Fender, um, and you know if I ever decide Same. not to play kiesels down the road i can probably go back and speak to them and try to play defenders again it's more about like are you just a cool a a cool person and are you are you willing to play ball and and work with each other to to make a beneficial relationship for both sides yeah i
2: won't sell my music man collection i i would be heartbroken and i just like staring at a wall of music man's because it was an accomplishment for me yeah something that I wanted to do ever since I was a kid, you know, seeing other bands playing them, whether it's, you know, a guy like fat Mike or watching circus survive and seeing these guys play these beautiful basses, I was just like, all right, that's what I want. And, um, yeah, very thankful for everything that I've, um, been given by them, worked with them and, and all the love and like time that they've spent on fit for a king and myself. So, you know, not salty there. I know some people have, have, asked about it this past week now that I've post pictures and uh it's just uh yeah shit happens yeah, sometimes so, you um, just want to try a different I car I just wanted to try you something oh, yeah I've been driving the same uh, you know I, it's one of those things where the real you know part of it too is just the you know pandemic and everything too where it's like well you know I these you know everyone assumes also that you get everything for free exactly you that's know, another these things do fucking cost money yeah. and um, you know, it's just I am blessed to have a lot of awesome Music Man guitars. So, it's just What well, you really this whole get out here, of these relationships
0: yeah. is the is the support. You get the mm-hmm. So, if when you break something on the road, um they send me a part immediately. So, with Fender, I had this um, I had a dimension four strings, so my favorite, one of my favorite Fenders. Uh, it's the one I was playing that was their Music Man style bass that they only made for a couple years. Which was awesome. Um it even had the truss rod adjustment at the bottom of the neck like the music man. Like it really was a neat cyborg kind of bass. Like a I don't understand why they stopped making it. I don't either. But the problem with them stop mate when they stopped making it is I had the elite version, which is what they started calling the deluxe active American versions. So mm-hmm. I had the Elite version of that bass, and it has one of the newer style all-electronic EQs that is basically a circuit board underneath of the, the yeah. pickguard. Well, I broke it somehow. I broke one of the pots, and that pot was attached to the circuit board. Well, that would have been nearly impossible for me to get without spending about $300 bucks, um, on reverb and finding somebody who had one of those. But fortunately for me, with that relationship with Fender, I was able to reach out to uh, my rep there and be like, "Hey, I know that you guys don't make these anymore. Before I drop the three or four hundred bucks after shipping to get this new EQ and everything, I need to fix it. Is there any chance you have?" And I got one from the company instead of spending the three or four hundred. And so, like, you buy these instruments up front still sometimes at a at a at a discount to help you out but the big help comes when you're a dumbass like me and you break everything on the road and you're like
2: oh, 100% I need
0: I need the parts I need the I actually just got uh, new pots for the PB4 from uh, uh, Brandon at Kiesel I just sent him my address nice. yesterday so that we can get the PB4 I have to playing fix, well um, yeah I have
2: my my Music Man cutlass that I have um, to get set up because there's a dead pot on that. Is that the one well, you had to volume. love me
0: uh, when I kept breaking my stuff on the ABR So when
2: you played the light blue one, is that the one you played? Yeah. Which color remember, one did you play? you remember
0: when that happened? Yeah. <laughs> that was so embarrassing, but thank you for saving that. Dude, but then,
2: right, then in Europe, the same thing happened to oh me. My God, I played. I about we that. were a couple days <laughs> in. My I had my white um, Stingray carol, as some of you know. And I was playing her, and all of a sudden, and it just dies, and there's no volume, and it just sounds like shit. You actually sweat out the pickups uh, on that,
0: didn't you?
2: Yeah, I did. You're sweaty um, boy. So <laughs> 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 yeah, I have just corrosive, disgusting sweats. That's uh, so BJ that, in my band. BJ does that to guitars. The wild thing about that is, though, that bass, so it got returned. They put in a um, new preamp, and it set it up and everything. Arguably my best sounding music man. So now the only other difference to it is it's a classic. You think versus the other ones are standards.
0: Had been off for a bit before it actually died, and then when they sent it back to you, you were like, Oh my god, I didn't even know that it sounded less powerful than it should have. It's definitely
2: part of that, but what was crazy was even like with the Dark Skies run that we started, there was I was playing that five string for F. And then one day the strings were pretty dead and I was like, all right, I'm just going to play like Carol for a little bit. So I put on the four string in F and, and it was the white bass and everyone was just like, holy shit, that one sounds fucking awesome. I was like, yeah, that's what I was telling (laughs) you. you Like, it's like, this is why I didn't (laughs) need to buy a five string. I told you that this one rocks in F um but it's just got a sound to it it's just a little bit different than all the other ones it's very clear but also has just all the body that you could ever want but um yeah it's been interesting comparing now having keezels to play and um getting into those and all the tonal abilities that they have as well and the icon that i played while doing our video shoots this past week so aerodynamic, so light, felt awesome. And I, I liked it so much that I didn't switch and play between. So I could, you know, switch and play my A-sharp bass in between, or I could just play all the songs on my F bass. And I liked the Icon so much that I just played everything on the one bass.
1: It is time for the mid-roll mash.
2: Week after week, I tell you I'm going to bring you the most slamming breakdowns ever. But last week, I did not deliver on this promise. I thought, for good reason. Glacier Veins is the shit, and if you haven't listened to them yet, go do it. It's out now on Equal Vision Records. Fantastic band. Kind of reminds me of the early 2000s uh, emo, Paramore stuff. Mayday Parade. All that shit. I think you'll like it. Go listen to it. Do you all know that Bobby from Fit for a King owns a plant shop? I love having plants in my windows and keeping the house looking lively. You can go to growplantshop.com and order one for yourself. They ship extremely well. I know this because I've purchased some. Go buy yourself, your mom, whoever, a plant. Do it now. Thank you. Appreciate you. I want to give a shout out to some podcasts that I really like. Lead Singer Syndrome with Shane Told, 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins, that's Awesome Podcast with Joe from Ice Nine Kills and Metalcore Nerds with Sean Mott. Go give them all some love. Shane from Lead Singer Syndrome has a great episode with Courtney from Spirit Box Up this week. It's fantastic. A real treat. Go listen to it. So this week for the mid Mosh, I went back to my email and dug through some tunes. I was very pleasantly surprised by an email from the band Words from my second home, Texas. They released an EP titled Trees, and it reminds me of As Cities Burn fused with The Rise of Science. The Rise of Science was a really small band, and if you don't know them, look it up on YouTube. This is the stuff I love and that I really like to listen to. It takes me back to the classic tooth and nail, equal vision, Screamo era. There are some some breakdowns in this for sure. It's not super moshy, but it's fucking awesome. Look them up on Instagram, WordsBandTX. So here we go. Wake by the band Words.
0: The, uh, I think you'll really like your P, uh, the, the P base, the PB model that they make the body is like a little smaller than a fender P and it, uh, and it's rounded a little bit more. Uh, it's really, really, it looks really sleek. It's a really, really cool one. I actually am, um, trying to mod mine even though I'm not supposed to, but you know, I'm just going to do it anyway. But, uh, I am a big fan of a a very specific type of tuner. Um, I like the hip shot ultralight tuners. uh, And they make this powder coat black version. And uh, I'm going to switch those out so it'll have uh, hip shots, which I think all the Dingwalls come with uh, stock. They have like the open, the cool little open gears on the back. Uh, but Kiesel yeah. doesn't have any of those Clover keys on them, like the Fender-style key. And uh, yeah. I want to have the Clover key. And I'm trying to do it's the... It's like the music bands, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm tr- And I'm too. trying to do the same thing. So I'm torn between do I keep doing the headless model with the Thanos because it's neat, looks just a really big change-up for me. But I also have always wanted a wall. And I've been trying to decide if i want to get a vanquish body which can be multi which can have a multi-scale neck on it and then it has a split headstock and i wanted to get the black powder coat clover hip shots on that as well which would give the headstock a wall look and then the body would be um the vanquish model but i actually am a little torn on if i want to get the vanquish because dustin just got one from abr And uh, I've got one here, too. I tour. I, I've i been trying not to get the exact same bases as the friends that I tour with the most. Um, and so now yeah. Dustin and I both. He's the one who helped me with my build on this Thanos. <coughs> and he's got a beautiful Thanos as well. So I'm trying not to make it look like I'm just straight ripping Dustin off. But I mean, he's got good taste. I can't I If can't you were help to
2: it. build a multi-scale, I would say look at the Dingwall Bo- um, bases that they have that are a P. That's a multi scale, and I would consider t- doing a P body with the
0: multi scale. I there. tried that, but that they don't feel- they don't do that yet. So I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk oh. to Jeff and see if that's something that they can do, or if or if that's maybe like a design thing where they don't have a. It may not be balanced. Yeah, yeah, it. but that's what I asked for originally. That's what I really wanted to do. But I could also do the J body with them, and I already said I'm definitely going with the. J pickup configuration so I could also do their jazz body and theirs is cool because it looks like a normal Fender one and then it looks like they just kind of tilted the body so it looks like it's going really yeah, fast yeah it's really nice yeah it looks like it's going really fast for some for some reason
2: um, then that would look awesome multi-scale too. yeah
0: this is the problem with being with a company like Kiesel is there's so many options that I get on the website and I'm like I know what I want today and then I get on there and I'm like Sus. ah maybe I don't maybe I don't know Yes. Yeah, I
2: tried to put some time into it, but I think after I, like, really went through all the pictures and sorted and, like, put my head together, I, I'm pretty happy with the two builds that I have coming. Um, it's going to be, yeah, they're going to be pretty flashy. Yeah, not I, the, too. Jeff
0: helped me come up with mine. I've only had one built, and I have two that they that they loaned me. And uh, I was trying to get an a, another Aries because I like that body, but they're doing away with the Aries and and only doing the um, the headless version. And uh, oh, they I think he said that's just one of the versions that just was the least popular. And I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. So he was like, but I've got this brand new one, and it was before the Thanos was released. And he was like, I'd love it if you would play one of these. And I was like, okay, you just made my mind up. That's the having somebody from the company. Be like, we want we want you to play this model. This is like what we are after, and we think you would enjoy this. So I was like, okay, I'm into that. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, well, this is what I want to do. I was like, I want it to be bright, but I don't want it to be bright. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, okay, I know what you mean. So we did this Lambo orange paint, but he put a satin mat on it. And so it doesn't have a sheen to it. It, It's just a matte finish on the orange. And then we put like the classic looking tortoise shell guard on it. Um, And then my idea for the fingerboard was an all ebony fingerboard, but we'll put the black acrylic inlays on it still, black bar inlays. So you can Mm -hmm. only see them on stage in, in the right light. So when the light hits them correctly, because they're acrylic, they shine. They're the only shiny thing on the base. Um, oh, that's awesome. You can't even – Yeah, I love the finish on that Yeah, one, man. Uh, and so I've, I was struggling to even come up with a design because there were so many options. But when he was like, look at this new one. I think that you would enjoy this. I was like, yes, sir. All right. I will enjoy that. Let's do it. Um, So, maybe he'll just, maybe when I email him, he'll come at me with, I got, I think that you'd like this thing. And I'll be like, you were right last time. I assume you were right this time. So, let's do that.
2: Dude, absolutely. And it's interesting how each one of them plays differently acoustically, too, where the Vanquish that I have. Has a really nice acoustic sound to it. Ton of resonance. Sounds really fantastic. But when I plugged everything in, um, just something about the icon really spoke to me. I thought it was freaking awesome and feels great. What? Um. um and also having what yeah, body mm, woods or you did say? you use? Do
0: you did you? Uh, I I actually got. I went ash on Justin. both of mine. You did ash. Actually, my, yeah, my pee because I'm, ash. my P is ash, and it's not my P is ash, dude. My P base is, my ash. Pee is ash. My P base is ash. I piss ash. <laughs> and then um, Dustin told me he was like, uh "You should." He was like, "They're heavy, but you should try walnut." So this Thanos is walnut. It's the most heavy thing I've ever owned. But
2: see, dude, I just res- would I would disconnect my shoulder if I use something heavy because my thing is just. One, um, you know, my band is not playing things like you or Dustin are, where I'm like super shreddy on the bass and it cuts through the mix a lot. I'm throwing it. You don't. You don't need a 15
0: pound, a 15 pound block of wood.
2: And that was part of what sold me on when I was playing the Icon, which it was like I, I the first night that we were shooting, I went and used the Vanquish a little bit, and then I was just like, you know what. The icon just feels so good where I was throwing it where I was like overshooting my moves because it was so light where I was like, OK, yeah. this is what I need to be doing. And just for me as a performer, I have to look at something like that before I necessarily think about um, like what would would give me the best resonance or tone because my band plays in drop F. It sounds ridiculous and it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't like it's not <laughs> the little bit of tonal uh the tonal difference is um, probably not you know, as tonal audible difference.
0: Uh, in the live setting yeah no because
2: people don't give a shit about how i play the thing they just want to see me climb stuff and i have it. some
0: hilarious videos i need to send you from uh the end of that tour actually of you walking on bars by the merch table where i was hanging out uh yes i have some really funny ones <laughs> uh
2: Dude, I'm going to get sick so fast if I do that shit after this, um, unless everyone goes and gets the vaccine or whatever. Because if I continue the same antics of stealing people's alcohol every so night, funny. there's no way I won't get yeah, coronavirus. Yeah, so funny. You know
0: what's so crazy <laughs> is going back to that tour, um, I was at the merch table for Grin every night. And the shows were packed except for a little bit of the Midwest where the panic had set in. So Cleveland, the panic had really set in. I think that's one of the only shows I've been a part of where there were less people in the show than even the pre-sale. Because, I mean, people were just like, do we go outside? What do we do? And then a few days later, we're in, uh, what was the Chicago suburb? Joliet. We're in Joliet. 800 tickets on pre-sale, eight hundred people Which, in mayor. the door.
2: We actually sold nine fifty that night. Unreal, dude!
0: And they're all yeah. in the door. Every single one of them is in the building, and uh, I'm sitting at the merch table all night. And uh, I, I was actually super nervous when I got back because I was doing I was doing a good job of not being oblivious, but trying not to read too much into it while we were on the road and not get panicky and anxious. It was also just too busy to really have that be my focus at that moment yeah and then i thought about it and i'm like the cool thing about grin is the first time i did the tour i didn't tell anybody i was doing it um because i was like I, I need to make sure that i'm going to enjoy this before i start telling people that i well the on your tour i told people before the tour even started i put it on my socials and stuff so the table for me if i was at the merch booth was super busy doing their merch but also super busy because i was on tour with three bands that Miss May I has toured with. So I'm getting hit at the table left and right of like, dude, I love your band too. And I'm shaking so many hands and taking shots with people. And um, that first uh, week that I got home after the tour, I was was certain that I was going to get sick. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so fucked. I'm so screwed. Uh, I'm actually – really thankful that it there wasn't really much of a spread yet in the US and it was just kind of starting because I'm in the same boat as you. I'm a social butterfly on the road. I might not be yeah. at home, but I am I'm hanging hard uh, I was out sick there.
2: for a couple days when I first got home and I was getting sick on the drive home, so I was like something's coming for sure, but I ended up getting tested like 2 weeks later and I didn't um have any uh, you know yeah. antibodies or whatever Steven had but- bronchitis
0: and was struggling with bronchitis which is a normal uh, a normal That's thing from- for him he uh, yeah. i guess he's uh, he kind of he gets that in that season every year and uh yep. but that all those symptoms naturally we were all just like oh my god Steven uh, but he he same thing for him he was fine as well but it's so it was so weird how there's so many symptoms anything anybody gets you're like oh my god
2: well, also Steven and I are kind of like smoking together the whole day. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, if one gets one thing, the other one is that's like, sort me, of the bit. that know? was sort
0: of it's, the story of the, of the, well, I mean, our whole friend tour.
2: circle is kind of like that yeah. when we're together, Yeah, you know, it's, that was a very, you know, we already talked about, I've had, you know, just a member of all, all the bands on the podcast so far from that tour. And, it was just such a great group of guys and what a lineup! And I wish we got to
0: finish it. I have but a maybe around two someday. I have a selfie folder of that tour of just me and just various people's people from all the bands because of how many how many friends are on the tour. The kind of photos I never share, you know. They're they're like they're like just for you. Yeah, the fun stuff. Yeah, they're just for you, for you to remember the remember the time and uh i've got so many good ones on the bandwagon from from the yeah. from the group hangs at the end of the night like you said like okay we got we got an hour until the till the bandwagon's got to leave so everybody pile in somewhere and let we all hang as much as possible until the rigs leave
2: yep yeah it was really nice like being around a group of people that like even you know, having, you know, young guys from Australia come to the U.S. for the first time, Alpha Wolf, which I feel so bad for them after all this because they spent so much money in yeah. visas and doing everything they could to get here. But that's why it's just like when they get here, the couple of the guys that like to go to the gym, it's just like, yo, just get in the Uber. Just come yeah. with us. Just yeah. hang out. Like, have a good time. Go lift. Like, because, uh, you know, we are uh, there's, you know, a couple guys in my crew, Andrew, myself, Jared, who like to be. Uh, Beefcakes, Rio had and work hop, out. had
0: hopped on you too, know. right? He was really, yeah.
2: Rio was with us every he, day. Um, Rio was
0: working hard, dude. He got dude, he he, is, ch- fit, he changed dude. shape in a year. Like he he was oh, a yeah. small dude the first time we toured together, and yep, then by but the he worked time out every did, day with us. And by the time I did your tour, yep. he was jacked. Yep. Already, jacked. Rio
2: worked out Rio with us for good. the first time. You know that Abr Frozen Flame tour and um or dangerous tour Dan- yeah dangerous tours. and uh yeah i mean having you know your jared brought weights which was very helpful yeah, and then helpful also you guys
0: and a goddamn pain in the butt for us big burden for you yeah. <laughs> and um, case of weights good god yeah
2: and jake had a bunch of his own shit too oh my god there were so, a lot of
0: beefcakes on that tour
2: there was a lot of beefcakes and we were just out squatting and you have and, my
0: Matt, ass doing absolutely you know, nothing
2: Dude, it was just so much fun, man. I mean, when you get a bunch of bros around who all like to get down like that and have, you know, we're outside with, we had enough up to like two seventy-five on a rack. So doing deadlifts, doing squats, you know, benching. Were you doing it on all the warped? fun stuff? Were you did you enjoy it warp? Yeah, on I've warped. always and been a eat? warped worker. Yeah. Yeah, I love that shit. I was I've been my tannest and most jacked on warp tours for sure. Because that's all that I would do is eat lift tan eat lift, tan. Oh, i miss it so much play a show i miss that tour because you'd so also much. walk eight miles a day if you walk if you had a social circle and you were trying to like watch shows and hang out with people and yada yada you walked on work tour like eight miles yeah. a day at least i did because i was always in a van so i never had a place to hide except for when like our last night would let me come on their bus or like the acacia strain or something like that yeah like, yeah you so know, i i never
0: i think about that tour all the time uh and my, my favorite thing about it was exactly what you just said, the constant uh, intermingling of social circles. The 30 minutes of playing is obviously great and will never be forgotten. But that, the mixing of the social circles was the, was the coolest to me. Like you could, you could finish your set and the best would be like a night like Chicago where everybody's posted up together, all the rigs are parked in. Maybe you only you're leaving Tinley Park and you only have like a four hour drive, so bus call is going to be three a.m. or something. And you're like, okay, first I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch Silverstein close or something, and watch the boys in Silverstein play. And then once that's over, I'm gonna go sit and hang out with ABR in their trailer. And then after that, I'm gonna go touch base with Silverstein now that their set's done. Go say what's up to them. Uh, then you're like, oh, I'm gonna go say what's up to the used because they're also here and it's like all these crazy different types of bands that you wouldn't get to, to play with in a club tour. You have every kind of band there and you're all there having a great time. Um, meeting the craziest people sometimes that you had never thought you would meet, uh, become a buddies with people that you probably won't get the opportunity. You were talking about four years strong earlier. Like that's a great one or, um, or you end up on tour with legends that you haven't got to tour with, and you might not. So, like, I'm a massive Every Time I Die fan, watching Every Time I Die every day, trying not to, oh, yeah. trying not to punish them when I when I meet them, like trying to keep it together and not be the cliche punisher dude. But no, you know? that's
2: one of the infamous stories I talk about on this show where my first interaction with Keith Buckley and how basically that whole tour, I didn't have the nuts to say anything to him because I loved him too much. I I
0: actually just spoke to a few of them for the first time because of Wyatt, because he was doing merch for them, and they were playing this, um, uh, I think it was a Mastodon tour. Uh, They were opening this Mastodon tour, and and Wyatt asked me if I wanted to go. And uh, I never had the balls to to talk to any of them, even the bass player, which usually that's easy because we have like something – uh, it's either weed or or bass playing. Those are the two things that are usually make it easy for me to talk to somebody because it's common ground. I never had the balls to talk to their bass player. And then with Wyatt, I met him and he's the nicest dude. And I, was, I told him, I was like, yeah, sorry if I seem like a dick because I've never said hi, but I mean, it's weird to say hi to your favorite band and not know one of your favorite bands and not know what to say. I wonder how annoying that gets for them to have like so many bands start a conversation with them, like, you're like my favorite band. And they're just like, can we just be bo- yep. Can we just be dudes?
2: <laughs> yep. It's got to be like, you know. Yeah, I mean, and then you see them really embrace some, you know, younger people and stuff like that. And it's interesting because I saw, you know, you uh, like one relationship at least on the internet that appears to be consistent is them and knocked loose Very enjoying cool. each other's company.
0: Very cool, yeah.
2: And then I saw Brian make a tweet where he was like listening to, I forget which record it was, or like Logic of Crocodiles or some, you know, that song or something like that. Something from the early category. Maybe it was like listening to Hot Damn for the first time yeah. or something. And I was just like, so that's why you feel comfortable with him. Not, I mean, one, I'm sure they're all just really nice to each other. But two, maybe he didn't grow yeah. up in the same time period where he looks at Keith as the superstar that he is. Where I wore a fucking belt buckle and I had flared jeans and I had my hair spiked up and I wore aviators and I wore flannel and I wanted to be like Keith Buckley.
0: I remember seeing was- them at Warped Tour in 2007, I think, watching them, watching The Bled, watching. Oh my god! I mean, the there are the bled was a great cornerstone band. of the industry, you know, and uh, yeah. and then uh, you end up on uh, on Warp Tour with them years and years later, and you're like, all right, I'm going to keep it together. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not going to make an ass of myself. And me being, I'm a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say I'm shy, but I, I'm usually a little reserved um, with meeting yeah. people the first time, and uh, that I I just stuck with that approach it became a permanent approach with them because i didn't want to i didn't want to be the i didn't want to meet them and like mess it up you know so then i just never i had
2: a yeah i had a recent one of those with the you know the business i've been working out which is now technically out because of the date that this will be released which is next week futuredecks.com um, speaking with Shane from Silverstein was like a very cool thing for me.
0: Yeah, like, he's, oh, dude,
2: he doesn't know, but the first time I ever one. performed, I sang smashed into pieces with another band. So it's one of those things where getting to speak to him and now have him be involved with my company is incredibly awesome for me and a big check off the old bucket list, but go to featuredex.com and book your favorite singer he, uh, to sing
0: on your song. He took. They they took Miss May I on tour way back in 2011. It's, I went.
2: I opened that tour in the Chance Theater in
0: Poughkeepsie. That's how I met Pierce the Veil. Vale. That's how I met Silverstein. Uh, a lot of really important friendships blossomed on that tour for me. The Chariot was on the that. The Chariot, Chariot as well. was on that. Yeah, that's how, how when I met uh, Stevis way back in the day. Uh, and uh, what's really funny is I. If I remember correctly, we were playing Blue Moose Tap House in Iowa. In Iowa, and uh, yep. Shane, I did, I got to do an episode that's shut down now. Blue Moose like, we're going to be saying that about a lot of places, unfortunately. Here, um, yeah. But Shane told me I did his podcast one time, and he was telling me that if he, I think if I remember this right, the first time we met was that show. And I think I punished him. I think I asked him for singing advice or something. <laughs> Just like, nice, yeah, really smooth. Hey, dude, man. you're a really good singer. Can you watch me and yeah. give me tips? We're direct support. You look on like his you're tour. shouting. Yeah, we're we're direct yeah. support on his tour, and I'm punishing him for for uh, singing advice. Um, it's the only way to be, man. So it's funny. Awesome. Yeah, he's a he's great too. And I actually posted a photo of me and Bill from. uh. The APMA is here recently. I love Bill. He's an awesome bass player. I'm always scared to talk to him because he's very big. He is so funny, dude. I would do uh, – we did Shipwreck in the Sand tour cycle with them. And uh, I'm a, wow. I am was a massive a fan of the record. And I sang a song with them every night. And I would use Bill's mic. And this is when Kevin, uh, Kevin, who texts for ABR, was TMing and teching for Silverstein on that run. Uh, and so Kevin, when I would go to do the, vo- the guest vocal spot, <laughs> would run up on stage with a box and put a box in front of Bill's mic. No and way! I would step up onto this like uh, basically <laughs> a, a riser for me, just so I could get my mouth up to Bill's. Well, Bill is like six
2: four, six five. Oh yeah, and he
0: does—he's he, a big guy. Dude, he does those windmills with his right arm where he picks like with a like with a windmill. Um yeah. and I would be terrified to be on stage with him because if you're within 4 feet, he's going to punch you in the face on accident. Like he's oh, a yeah. huge dude. Makes makes What ba- a great live band though. Yeah, the best, man. You know. Yeah. And
2: I've never I you know I've never really spoken with Paul very much, but dude is super talented and has been a great addition he's to that the, band over the he's last the business like I think he's been with them for quite a while now, right? Yeah, yeah. No 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 I'm not talking about the drummer Paul Kohler, even though Paul Kohler, the drummer, is a brilliant dude. He's their manager as well. And um I think he's, you know, one of the hardest working people in the scene. But uh Paul Mark, uh, that plays
0: guitar yeah. and stuff, pretty boy. Yeah, he's great too. Yeah. So he he's was cool. good singer. He was I think checking for them in eleven when I met them. Um Kind of a savant, kind of a guitar savant. Like, just seems like he could pick up um, an instrument and just shred anything. And uh, by warped, what warped was it that we did? We did a warp together. I think it was fifteen when we all did you it and together. Are, it was
2: fifteen. He was he yeah. was in
0: the band by then, and he's an awesome addition. He's a he's the He's been there quite a while now. You're right or maybe it was 14, 14 or 15? Yeah, I can't remember. We've been doing we've been doing this a while. Every
2: year cuz Jared, my Jared, teched for a year Jared. It was so
0: fun, one, dude. One, I have so many funny videos of him and I going to the stage together. Tiny man, yeah, tiny, tiny man and tall stage. man hanging out. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he's
2: only just keeps getting beefier and hotter. Yeah. You know that freaking one. But yeah, yeah, we were he's now he's been working out all of quarantine and I haven't worked out all of quarantine. So I'm officially just his bitch now because he will just he's big and strong.
0: Yeah. So Yeah. I I actually have a very, very clear memory of our entire career with you guys. We did Frozen Flame together because it was it's been a really fun one to watch because you you love becoming friends with people. And it's even better when you become friends with people at the beginning of a successful climb, and then you get to watch them just keep growing and growing. So I remember you were one of or two of, and we were direct support on the ABR run. Yep,
1: the we were the one. two,
0: Arrow was the one. And then the next uh. time we played together, um, we, we did Warped 15, and you guys were the biggest, arguably the biggest band on Monster. You were also doing it in a van, which was absolutely insane but brilliant and we were on maine and then you were cool enough to take the i believe we were your first or second europe tour yep second european so you did it's up on my wall so you did direct me too it's one of my favorite posters uh we did uh, yeah i love it you did direct for us in uk europe and then um as your climb continued, and uh, we, we've we reached that point of being a band so long that we're just kind of stationary at this point. Now we were, we did, what was the name of the ABR when we did after that? Um, uh, dangerous Tour. So then it was you guys as direct to ABR and us right below you. And then about seven or eight months after that, I ended up being on tour with you again, but as... With tour manager Grin. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've now toured with you. Uh, if I look at the last five years, I've toured with your band more than any other band, I would say.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys and Currents are the ones that I think we've spent the most time with. And you guys also, in the last couple of years, spent a lot of time with Currents as well.
0: We have the um, pleasure of taking them on their first full US tour as well, which is really, really yep. cool something that yeah, it's great we to always see that band thought of. growing as well. Yeah, that's that's something that um I never really thought about as a younger band was um how cool it would be to kind of pass the torch to new awesome metalcore bands because our first tour it was like Carnifex was cool enough to take us on our first tour and and uh impending doom when they when I did our first one and then That's it's really cool to to be a fan of a band like currents and they're also on the same label and be able to take them on the first first full us um, we've got to do that for a few bands in Europe as well um, I think we had done it for for void on that tour that we did together and currents yeah void and Cur- uh, no void had been there once but currents was on their first. Uh, Europe tour. The current, the
2: first Currents tour you did with them, was that Kublai Khan, Upon a Burning Body? Yeah, that, was,
0: a, that was the um, album release run for Shadows Inside.
2: You know, Upon is one of those bands who, incredibly talented, really has written some good songs over the years. But I always wonder if that one publicity stunt really ruined their whole career.
0: Yeah, we were sharing a tour bus with them at the time as well. Um, and that was, a that was a weird thing to be a part of. And I just don't think, Oh, you were on a bus with them at the time of the, yeah. The so we were doing yeah. mayhem fest together at the time. And, uh, uh, we were splitting a tour bus. Um, mayhem fest was a pretty expensive tour because of the, the, uh, large headlining acts and production. So you had pretty big drives in between and, um, it was a unknown market for us being our first time playing in front of that besides a five finger death punch tour. So that was an event sevenfold headliner basically. So us and a pond teamed up. We were already buddies, um, from actually, no, that was the first time we had met as well. I smoked weed with them in their van one time in 2011 so that was the only time we'd met uh and yeah that went down on the tour we did together and the you know it was a it was kind of a bummer that it it backfired on them because they were also dropping a record at that at that same time and it kind of overshadowed how good that record was and um yeah great i think if maybe they would have gotten their label involved or like had
2: told ash Maybe it would have worked out better if they had more proper involvement, where everyone was in on the gimmick, where they made the gimmick so realistic to some extent. Yeah. where people didn't well, fucking know it was a joke. I
0: really, I, I try to when bad stuff like that happens to friends, I try to, um, you know, you all you can do is lend an ear, um, and and try not to voice. An opinion while they're going through. It. I just spilled all my coffee. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but it's no, very no sad. Um, For real? Yeah, all over my all over my keyboard, all over my mouse. Just just a disaster over here. But yeah, uh, on that run, it that launched on the first day when we met up. Uh, that that all happened, and uh, yeah. it followed them through that whole tour and. Uh, I think I think it did probably kind of follow them through the, you know, you can't anymore. Yeah, there things, was just early don't on just disappear. Uh, you know,
2: yeah, just around that time there was in my you know first year or two of being with Fit. I remember we went and played this one show in Syracuse where they were headlining, and I just remember seeing how great their reaction was. There was like five hundred people. The show crushed. They crushed it, and You know, my band also just speaks very fondly on the influence that Upon had in their early touring years, where that was one of the first bigger bands they toured with. And Danny is quite the rock star um, and has a fantastic stage presence and was really helpful for Kirby to watch and to, you know... Yeah, I... Kind of get some pointers from.
0: um, I, uh... Yeah, I I have... Very fond memories of touring with them, splitting a bus. That is a uh, pretty crazy group of guys to have together. Um, all of us, <laughs> all of them, they would get 40s on the rider, I believe Old English, and we would get Jack Daniels and Budweiser, and uh, that would come every day uh, in the morning. And it would never survive until the end of the day. I mean, every single day wow. was just absolute madness with them. Uh, everybody got along so well. And I still think that's the only time we've got to tour well, together. If
2: if I was on a bus on a massive you know, summer tour with Avenged Sevenfold, I would probably party pretty hard, too.
0: Yeah. I remember uh, one time we were trying so hard to to meet avenged and uh at one nerdy nerdy like early 20s metalcore guys like us massive avenge fans and uh one of them was coming to our bus and they all drank wine and i remember us panicking uh like Run, someone running in the bus because he knew they were going to swing by and being like, all right, we got to clean this rig, right? We got to make this thing look good. And oh my do we have any wine? you get some fucking wine. Like seriously, guys, we got we got members of Avenged Sevenfold coming over. We don't even have any wine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that,
2: that would have made like the best video clip if we had a, a video for this show. Yeah. I can just picture you saying that again. Dude, you know, meeting your idols is a very stressful endeavor. And people, I think there's a lot of guys who come into the music scene and they're like, I'm not, you know, fucking intimidated by anybody. I'm fucking cool. Where I remember there was one Warp Tour where one person, like, told something like that to Bobby where they were like, you need to be more confident. Like, you shouldn't be, like, worried to be around anybody it's like, no, Bob's just a normal human and he right. you know, likes to have a good impression. He's not an asshole who wears sunglasses at night at a fucking Warped Tour barbecue, you stupid piece of shit. But all things aside. Bob
0: can get his own I catering. Just, uh, He's that kind of guy.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Bob can get two caterings and then not get in trouble till the end of warp tour because people didn't
0: it's <laughs> so funny.
2: He kept taking like doubles of everything, like asking for double portions, and then eventually he got reprimanded, which was hilarious. But you know, that boy, he he just needs to eat. He burns a lot of calories. He's a big, it's not he's like a big he got lanky him.
0: man. He he is. Yeah. He
2: is. He doesn't have any fat on his body at all. Fucking gets burnt away. But you know
0: uh, what a guy. Go to Grow Plant Shop. Fights? With you. Yeah. I still have only got to tour with Bob one time, though. The The Frozen Flame um, is the only tour yep. we did together. And then we got to see him a couple of times when we were in the area. But uh, still have only done. I'm one of the lucky ones now uh, that got to tour with him as well.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where a lot of people want to get to meet the mysterious Bob and hear about about how great he is. He is great. Um, He's
0: a great dude. You
2: know? <laughs> He is truly one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, we always discuss the idea of him coming back out on the road, and that's why he does the videos, and he's in promos, and he writes the music, and he's in the band. He just can't tour because uh, he's about to have his third child in 10 days. Something like that. Congrats to Bob. Um, Congrats to Bob and his new son that will be born. I won't drop the name because I'll let everyone else do that because that's more fun. Um, But... It's just one of those things where when the time is right, we'll do it. But until then it's difficult and he needs to be with his family and do his thing. Um, and their family is so amazing and his kids are so cool and his wife is so cool and they have this great business grow dot go and purchase. Yeah, he's got a right fun it's cool. to watch, man. Um, Yeah, he's just a great human, and you just want what's best for him. And and that's why he's just kind of open to anything in life and just going with the wind and figuring it out. So people will hopefully eventually see him on tour again um, someday. You made your band look
0: so lopsided back in the day. It was so funny because you have you and Kirby, and then you had yep. him and Jared. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, dude. I know. It was so but funny.
2: That's why we love that That Daniel is like the same, you know, he's like, a, it's Ryan's a little, like an inch taller than me, and then I'm like an inch or two taller than Daniel. And having Jared just hide in the background. Yeah, and then he's as nice, tall as
0: but, all of you sitting down.
2: Yeah, seriously. He's <laughs> just such a large human. Um, so but it was cool doing five-piece promos, which we got to do this past week, which was pretty nice. Um, I like the way we look as a five-piece. And when we did these videos and stuff, it feels really good, where I thought it would suck having someone uh, on my side. But it really didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't hit him or anything.
0: The um, only trouble cool. we have is Justin does live uh, singing with me. He'll, he does the He does harmonies with me. And that only becomes a problem when we get to that three hundred cap level when we're doing those size shows, and we got to fit two mics on our side of the stage, and, and I'm on the inside, and I got this long ass bass neck, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. you know I'm trying not to slap him in the chest with the with the headstock kind of thing, but uh, yes, that's really the only time. It's and then you got BJ just free roam over there with one mic, just having a good old time. Shredding it So up. even without anyone
2: on my side, I just happen to hit Kirby a lot, and I feel bad. And yeah. I break my shit on the drums a lot too. I've broken so many tuning pegs on
0: cymbals. But um, I used to, I, I know, used to be much more. Um, you know, I, I jumped off of things and climbed things, and when we were younger. And as uh, as I become a scared old man, I do less and less. But I, one thing that really changed it. On the last cycle, as I started backing Levi up, um, and backing Levi up, I I really stand at that mic, uh, way more than I used to. Um, yeah. So I've just been kind of, kind of stuck at the mic, which is
2: cool. Dude, I've been trying to learn how to scream, and I, it's fun. I Did it? Yeah, I'm I'm getting better at it, and it's been a lot of fun. Like. Because just I used to, when I was younger, I scream screamed where I'd just blow out my voice and, you know, yell really loud yeah. and try to make it sound mean and have a ton of water in my throat and be like, I want to be Josh Scoggin. Um, I don't know but how that now, does it.
0: I watched him play at Newport on a, on that tour you were doing. Yep. Um, it just blows my mind that he could be touring for, he's got to be 20 years in now and still is one of the best voices in the game. Oh, Yeah. Sounds like a pack of cigarettes, but it's fucking awesome. Sounds phenomenal. Also, I don't know how he remembers so many people. He remembered me. I'd only toured with him one time in 2011. Um, I think it's because he doesn't party. That could be it. You know? That could be it.
2: Yeah. I think maybe they did when they were younger, but you know he is one of those guys that's a legend and he's been around for a long time. and yeah. always been a part of cool projects. I would love if there was a Norma Jean show with the original lineup. That'd be cool. I know that that will probably never happen because of the way that the band is active and has. That, I am know, a big fan
0: of the vocal gains that the that their current singer makes every record. Every record, he has another skill. There's something else. Corey's fantastic. There, yeah, he's doing um, something else every single. He's like, I was already good at that last time. So what are we gonna stack on it this time? Um, he he started doing the really crazy pitched singing on the on this newest record in notes that I that I still don't understand how people can hit them uh, and just ripping. It was a really talented dude. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that
2: they've been. Um under some controversy throughout the last couple months, but you know, in my experiences with him, I will say uh, he has been nothing but kind to me. And I didn't I didn't
0: know that either.
2: Enjoy that. <laughs> it's an interesting thing where there's a you know, there was a post that he made and it Could be considered and looked kind of like it was mocking, like a Black Lives Matter post. Um, Essentially, it's like the post where it was just BLM, BLM, BLM on top of each other, and then his said blah blah blah, and it looks like it was mocking it. Now he claimed that he was just putting it um, as opposed to you know just say blah 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 and like kind of show how he felt and not thinking that it was. Uh, mocking the Black Lives Matter movement, and a lot of people were very upset about it. Um, So it'll be interesting to see um, how things continue to move forward for them um, post-pandemic. I think that their fans will be okay. Um, But, you know, it's an interesting thing to consider when you are making posts on the internet, and it's the same thing that when I'm doing my Podcast. I have to remain objective, but, and I I like to tell everyone how I feel. But, um, you know, you also really need to be careful about what you post and what you say because a lot of people, um, can really be upset with you when you do make, um, either these blatant choices or mistakes, whatever they happen to be. Um, but I will say, Corey has always been very kind to me in the past. So, you know, I'm not trying to, um, necessarily uh, prejudge someone. I haven't spoken to him, so I don't really know how he feels about it, but all in all, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a Norma Jean fan, so it's I think when you are a fan of a band, it makes you, you know, or if you know the person personally, it makes you take a second before you're like... Oh shit! I don't want to go. Yeah. And, and look, like you didn't even fucking know about it, so you know it obviously didn't make like massive headlines. Yeah. and hopefully, you know, gosh, I should.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I I'm putting it on blast more. I don't know a lot of stuff, though. I I really have kind of stepped back and have used the quarantine to just kind of focus on my focus on myself personally because I never have. I've always just been go, 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 go. And touring for me has been a way to run away from improving myself. Um, and I don't have that luxury anymore. All I have is time to sit and look at what I'm doing and, uh, um, and that sort of thing. And that's been my, that's been my deal is to, uh, sit and focus on myself and try and figure out how I can be a a better person and better musician. And one, one way that I felt like I, I, one thing I felt like I needed to do was stop looking at social media constantly and comparing myself to, uh, to every other musician around me. Why is my, why is my career not doing what, what this guy's is? Why, why is my social media following not doing what this guy's is? Uh, And that, is not a habit that's new to me. That is something that I developed really early on by being a competitive musician and really wanting to win, really wanting to make the best career that I could. And, uh, that works really well for you when you're in the position my band was in, in 2011, 2012, when we were stomping ass, you know, we were growing, everything was new. Things don't feel the same as you get older. And they, the things that matter to you just kind of change and, that habit to me seemed to really be creating more internal conflict than um good results anymore, uh,
2: yeah, I agree with you, man. I think that it's something that I've had struggles with as I've been trying to like find my place in this scene and become like be comfortable with being myself, you know um and it's hard to look at everyone else and see what your competition is doing and seeing how much people like them or don't like them or what's going on in sales and streams and why does this person have a million monthly listeners but I don't? Yeah. all that yeah. shit. It's fucking tough because we have more data that's available now for people to see more easily. So every time that you log into one of these sites, like an Instagram or a Twitter or um, Spotify or whatever, you're seeing stats. So it's a- immediately like, oh, well, you know, sure, I was really proud of what I did, but turns out that, you know, all my related artists have more streams than me or whatever. Yeah. And it's and it, heartbreaking. I think,
0: mm. I think it really changed my ability to enjoy what we were doing and so like for instance that whole last record cycle for my band was pretty tumultuous um different personnel changes behind the scenes um some tours that were winners some tours that were losers um on the headlining end uh Uh, then like you said, you've got the metrics that you're looking at. You're like, are we streaming enough? Are we selling enough? Are we this? Are we that? And because I'm looking at things like that and that became my habit, I didn't look at them in the way that I am looking at them now as I don't get to do it anymore. Um, I'm not looking at it as, um, behind the scenes, nobody, I mean, I'm sure everybody could tell on the tour. that, Like the tour we did together in Europe Personally, I was struggling greatly. Yeah, that was honestly the hardest tour for me in my I've ever. Done. I, was strug- um, scenes, but, uh, I was struggling behind yeah. the scenes. I was struggling immensely. I was drinking.
2: Dude, we couldn't even get the AC working for the first fucking four days. I was um, drinking. So-
0: I was drinking so 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 much. Um, I was I was just really having a hard time behind the scenes, and. Uh, <laughs> And I think a lot of that came from that wrong mentality in the middle of the touring. You know, me, me sweating whether or not we're going to get blown out of the water by you guys because we're worried about, like, the changing of positioning as the band gets older. Or me stressing out because we were, for years before, we just did great support tour after great support tour, where all of a sudden we were taking our, our hand at headlining, and when you headline, the pressure's all you. There is no... There is no lax. It is very stressful. It's all you. If it goes wrong, it's your fault. And um, I took all that to heart, like every single bit of it. And what I should have been doing now that I look at it and I don't get to go on tour like I was last year, I'm like, that was a tour with two bands that I'm best friends with and a band that I just met, Void of Vision, that were phenomenal people. I could have been enjoying that so much more. Or... um, you know, getting in uh, arguments over billing with people—you know, just fighting over like, well, we don't believe we need to do—and then—and then I think about that now, and I'm you like, you know what, though, I, I mean, but even don't looking- want a goddamn tour right now, and I wouldn't fucking give a shit because yeah. I feel like with all that stress, I lost the ability to enjoy what we get to do because I was so jaded and used to doing it, where this forced break. Has put me in this position. Jared and I were talking about this when uh, we have a uh, weekly uh, margarita date before we go to the studio. Oh, very. And nice. we were talking about that while we were drinking. We were both like, "Dude, some of the things that we that we would worry about in the group chat or, or worry about in meetings, and are we going to accept this? Or are we going to? We look at it right now, and we're like, we would never fight fight over things like that at the moment because we we would un. And I'm talking about situations where you're fighting for something that you're not going to get because uh, the metrics are not in your favor, but you're still fighting for it. You're like, no, "No, dude, we deserve this. Um, And I think about that now. And we're just like, it would would be so much easier for us to see the smooth, natural way to go about things right now because we feel like we could enjoy the moments a little bit more now because we would appreciate them. Because they're not well, and, they're not you're not yeah. getting nine months, eight months of touring a year. You know, you're we're all sitting here exactly. like reminiscing instead of um you know how it goes, you're usually look, being you're own, looking being sixteen yeah. months ahead a lot of the time. You're trying oh, to dude, enjoy I, yeah. this tour that you're on, but your head's already in some tour in March of next year and you almost
2: I was already booking into twenty twenty one at the beginning of twenty twenty and then you know, all this stuff happened where it's just like, wow, I went from having the, you know, what was going to be the greatest year of my life to having a year I'm not going to work at all. And, you know, thinking about when it comes to the conversation of billing decisions and money decisions and stuff like that, one good example of that for us is the Parkway Drive tour that we were going to do this summer, where we would not be paid the way that we are usually paid to do a club tour, but. We won. We can't argue that we are more popular than Noctilus or Hatebreed because they're Noctilus and Hatebreed, and we get to play in front of thousands of right. people who have no fucking clue what a fit for a king is. Yep. So it doesn't. At the end of the day, it's like, well, would I rather like you that's know, probably be the same my same
0: positioning uh, you know? as when you guys got to do the Azalea dying run,
2: you know? Yeah. You know, you just take it because it's like, well, I'm not making a fuck ton of money, but also we haven't been to Europe that much, so we don't expect a ton when it comes to Europe. But, um, you know, you look at like that billing, for instance, where, you know, us and on earth, where in Europe they do, you know, very well still, but obviously in the States, like Fit for a King is more of a current band. Um, but you just accept these things because it's like, wait, so I'm going to play a show in front of 4,000 people in Germany. Oh, fuck
0: yeah. yeah. When, okay. when, King and Miss May I together in Germany, we're doing three fifty, you know, the, we're, we're talking yeah. about a, well, a tenfold crowd size in, improvement and the, in the, in that. That comes with those decisions
2: too. When people are, are asking you like, well, you know, with the controversy surrounding, you know, the band, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? First and foremost, I am a business. And my business is to make my band popular. And if I can play in front of a lot of fucking people, I'm going to do it. But two, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and I actually very much care for the As I will Dying guys. And um, that's a personal conversation. If anyone has any questions for me, they can always hit me up at gettuckthepodcast at gmail.com and ask them, and I will discuss it with you. Um, but that was a choice yeah. that we made as individuals. Um, and you
0: all, And it's funny because... Your career and 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 my career are I are on like a four or five year separation where you guys are climbing to you are doing the same things that I got to do just a few years after I did kind of like I'm getting to I got to do the same things Prada got to do a few years after they did it it's just this cool generational change yeah. thing of like when your releases came out and I remember going through those same exact decisions in certain regards. Like I remember we were doing, um, we did a five finger death punch tour. Fuck. Yeah. Which for us, we were immediately like, I can't even fucking believe that's an option for one. Like we're going to play in, yeah. we're going to play in hockey arenas. Um, but I would do that shit in a heart. Yeah. And, uh, our, the, the questioning was, was, Uh, like where are we going to be billed and blah, blah, blah. And what are we going to get paid? And then by the time that was even going to come out of my mouth, I was like, you know what, that, it doesn't fucking matter. It's irrelevant. It does not fucking matter because this opportunity is so great that we need to take it. And that opportunity became the catalyst that got us the mayhem tour. You know, had, had had we, had we like, been super prideful and been like, no, we need double the money because this is what we're, we could have been those kind of guys. But instead we were like, dude, I I mean, the fact that we're going to get paid at all and play these shows is fucking mind blowing. Playing in front of that crowd is what got us the opportunity to do another tour down the road. That was so cool. Um, and so it's like every generation, every band goes through it. I remember our very, our, our second tour, um, hanging out with brandon from bleeding through getting all this great advice from them and him telling me Sick. stories about when they were supporting Marilyn manson so they're like one of the biggest um i know their generation would argue that they're not metalcore but i'll just uh, to me they're metalcore they came up in that same chunk of all my favorite bands like is definitely darkest hour bleeding through unearth all, all those are my favorite oh yeah metalcore bands as the- well um, the bass player from
2: Howard's new band, Ryan, Ryan, was in Bleeding Through. And I talked to him about one of my favorite images from metalcore history is um, in the like Love Lost video that they have, where he does a spin kick with the Viper
0: bass oh, yeah. in slow-mo. Yeah, dude, they I was were, just like, dude, that's one of the most epic That was our second ever. tour, was uh, Bleeding Through support. Bleeding Through, it ended up on Rise which gave us the relationship to be, to be uh, on the tour. And what's interesting is Carnifex was direct support on that, and Carnifex was our first tour. So the, two, the first two tours we ever did were with Carnifex back-to-back, one with Carnifex headlining and one with Bleeding Through headlining, and Carnifex is direct. So we actually got to see the – we kind of learned etiquette right off the bat because we got to see, okay, this is how Carnifex behaves when it's their tour and they're in control – Um, and then this is how Carnifex behaves when it's not their tour and their direct support. And we got to see like both sides of a professional band right off the bat. Yeah. Um, which is a learning curve too, because you, you, like you said, it's a business and you got to learn how to, uh, you got to learn how to play ball correctly.
2: And that's the stuff that does bother me where either it doesn't have to be my headliner, but. I definitely take notice of the way people, you know, like one of the issues with that European run that we did was everyone liked to fucking sleep in and no one liked to load in.
0: That's always it drove the, me crazy. You
2: Remember me just getting up Europe, and, and yeah. I was using the airhorn app on my phone and screaming at everyone yeah. to wake up because no one knew how to set alarms. And then it, on top of that, it was my first tour without Bob. So I was basically just like, I'm going to fucking kill all of you. Like, this is insane. Um, but I'm an angry little troll, man. So that's the kind of stuff I get angry about. Cause I just think setting an alarm is very easy.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I, I would say I fell on the, uh, on the wrong end of that spectrum. I was not a loader. Uh, never have, never have been. Um, and uh, I definitely pissed some people off on that one. That's bad etiquette on my it's part. Okay. You know,
2: I mean, it was pretty much just me yelling at people, and then me and Brian talking to each other about it. Because at least he's always doing it with me. But you know, it's one of those things where I'm also enthusiastic about it because I like lifting. You and things. Jared, yeah. So, so that's, that's I don't, Jared for my. You know what I mean? Jared loves yeah. the trailer. He's uh,
0: mm-hmm. he's a big fan of the yeah, trailer pack. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, he's a he's one of the guys that likes to lead a pack. And he would always be out doing it. And then I'm I'm
0: more, I like doing what Brian does. I like being the, I like being the the facilitator. I like making I I think it's why I liked working for Grin so much. I don't know if I'd like working for people I don't know, but working for them felt just like working for my band because I've been friends with them for so long that what I'm, what I'm basically doing is making sure that the band I'm working for is having a good day, which is just an awesome, it's an awesome feeling. And that's what Absolutely. I do for my band. I'm the guy doing everything for my band on the on the tour, um, and it's great because you just know like this should be an enjoyable experience. And uh, if you're the one managing the day, and everybody has a great time, it's just a really nice, prideful feeling because you uh, are the one who made made the day easy like that. So that was that was a. I think everybody kind of has their. Their role. You kind of settle into your role with your group of what you do and what you do well. Um, yep. Like you've got the, you've, everybody's got a numbers guy. That's Kirby. Yep. And I'm the numbers guy and the tour manager guy for my band. So who, who was I having nerdy ass conversations with all the time? Kirby. I remember sitting on the, I remember sitting on the ferry and him giving me yep. a bunch of, um, Actually, getting some really good financial advice because we were doing things in sort of a archaic old way on the money end and getting a lot of really good advice uh, out of you guys on that Europe tour, which really helped swing things. Kirby's pretty brilliant. In the, yeah, yeah really helped swing things in a positive direction for us on the back half of the cycle. Um, and then you and I just being nerds and sitting around and talking about base um, rigs and weed and what. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Having fun. Yeah. Talking about the good stuff. Yeah. Ryan, the way that he looks at finances and the way that he is able to run our finances, um, it really has always made a massive impact on our band. And that's why we've always been able to be paid well, even since we were a young band where we never made necessarily a lot more than everyone else. But our thing was we spent less Yeah. and Ryan taught us to sleep in the van and to not go in hotels every night. And we, you know, it's the same thing with, if I want to smoke a bunch of weed on tour, like that's out of my pocket. Mm -hmm. And if I run out of money before the end of the tour and I have to ask for money or something, they're going to make me feel bad about it. And not because they hate me, but because they love me. And Ryan has been you know, a really, really incredible figure in my life in terms of getting me to be more responsible with my personal finances as well. Um, But he's just really bright. That's Levi for me as
0: well. I think uh, one of my worst traits is I, I love taking care of the people that I care about around me. Way more than I will take the time to take care of myself uh, and so I've always just been, yeah. I've been I've always been pretty rough to myself, whether it's like how hard I am on myself mentally or how I treat my body with my bad behavior or uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or or how I spend my money uh, you know on uh, equipment and weed and traveling and that sort of thing whereas Levi is a, has always been the one to kind of try and help me reel it in, in my personal life and get my stuff together so that I can be the member, like the rest of the guys in my band where, um, I'm doing better at home than I ever have mentally. Uh, I've never been good at being home. The reason I started touring with other bands, is, like I said, I don't know how to do sitting at home. I don't, I'm just not good at it. Uh, and he's been, a massive part in helping me learn how to adjust my life at home so that it's as enjoyable and I'm reaping the benefits of all the hard work we do in the band. And then I can come home and I can enjoy because we all know how to enjoy being on tour. That's pretty, Yes, that's a, it's actually way easier to do that than, than, um, than come off of the road and have a, uh, decent setup for yourself. The road kind of
2: became my happy place where it was just as long as I was there and I had my bunk and I had my friends and got to play a show, I was really happy. I was really content and life was good. You know, you're out, you know, you're making money, you're with your friends, it's easy. And, you know, the interesting thing with that is even my fiance and I, who we've been together for over four years, like this was the most time we've ever spent together. Was these four Oh, months. yeah, that's interesting. We've never, you know, so it was one of those things where like, I think that's why you keep seeing either, you know, people are doing really well or people are breaking up because it's like, oh, wow, like we've never spent this much time together. So now when I leave for tour, this is going to be fucking hard. Like yeah, you feel like a normal couple. But I suppose um, I'm
0: going through the, the opposite scenario then because I'm I'm dating somebody for the first time since like 2000 and. I don't know, 15 or something, uh, oh shit. or 16 or when, whatever that was. Um, and I met this person during this quarantine time. So on only fans, uh, on only fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so this person that I'm with doesn't really know the me that is the guy on the road. And I gotta say, he's a much different guy than this guy. That's, uh, you know, here in Columbus during during quarantine. So that's a that's an interesting thing to hear you say because I hadn't really thought of that. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, even with going away
2: for a week, you get so excited. You're with your friends. You're like, I don't need to fucking be on the phone. I don't need to call you. I've been with you every day for fucking four months. I need to, you know, I just want to hang out with my friends. But then you got to remember, like, No, you have to, like, just make the phone calls and make the text messages and be a good partner, even though you're excited, because I just get like a fucking puppy dog when I'm with my friends again, where I'm just like, so excited about everything where I just want to piss on the floor. And, you know, I have to remember to be a good partner and to like call multiple times a day and to FaceTime and to text her and because like, you know, that's a lot for someone to be left by themselves. And that's really hard, and you know, can be mean. So, you know, I just—that's one of those things that I've just had to work on being better at in general.
0: Yeah, I wasn't single the first seven or eight years of our career, actually. Um, I was really good at that, uh, and then the shadows inside Sun cycle was really the only time I was single. Um, I'm not. I'm not a, uh, a dater on tour either. I'm very much like with the boys kind of guy. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I, I feel like I was pretty good at that um, beforehand when, when I had a, a girlfriend during the early part of the career, but that will be a, um, if I, if I'm dating this, this person when, when touring resumes, I mean, who fucking knows? I don't fucking know, but uh it'll be interesting to me if she
2: listens to this interview what would you like her to think would you like to keep dating after touring
0: <laughs> comes back i think uh, the answer is yes. the answer is yes but what i'm saying is will she like the guy that i am when the when the touring kicks back in i
2: think You know, if she loves you for you, she will, because she'll see how happy you are and uh, how, you know, proud of what you do you are. And I think that anyone that's a good partner that, you know, really loves us as people understands what we are going for and what we're trying to accomplish in our lives. So I think you'll be all right on that front, man. She'll be pretty cool. Also, I've had bleeding through stuck in my head until since we've talked about it from that
0: one scene where he's just like, I want
2: to see your face. Show me your real
0: face. That's uh, so good. He, uh, you remember when he brought the uh, Took a turn. monster truck okay. tire to Warp tour for all you beefcakes and 15.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah. I was too scared to go and work out with him though. I didn't go. I just worked out. He by is myself, so, so
0: nice, dude. I, another crazy, but he's scary looking. Okay. So we, we were talking earlier about like, just the weird circumstances where you cross paths with somebody that you, you look up to. And he's definitely one. Brandon's a great dude. And, um, when I was My recording,
1: to when I was
0: recording shadows inside with drew, uh, out in LA and Levi and I were, I was just staying at Levi and Jojo's house. Um, he's super tight with Brandon. Just they've stayed tight and are, and are really close to each other. And I got invited to Brandon's house for a pool party At one point point. And, and while we were That's there it. I was just thinking to myself like I am in California right now As a Midwest Ohio boy At a pool party For the singer of Bleeding Through Because I met him When he asked my band To go on tour with his band Like a decade ago already So it's what a crazy weird Road that is To get to that position yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's cool
2: when things like that come full circle. It's, you know, and, and for me, it's still one of those things like when I uh, interact with like an August Burns, right? I know, like, right? How, how do I know you guys? Like, yeah. how are we friends? How do you let me tour with they're you? They're a great
0: one, too, because I can tell them how, how nerdy I am about their band and they're perfectly okay with it. Like, I saw Jake's very first tour at a, at a club that's now oh, closed no in, um, in Columbus, it was a headlining tour. Um, Do you know who else was on it? Life in Your Way from a second story window. Fuck yeah! Um, Life in Your Way is one of my favorite bands. I can't remember who the who the fourth was, but there like JB. It's such a funny one. I, JB and I, I text rel- relatively frequently. Um, great dude, and uh, I send him the nerdiest stuff. Like I sent him the photo of me from my, uh one of my. Early stints in Miss May I, I wore uh, flip flops all the time, or played barefoot. And I sent him a photo of me in flip flops and an American Apparel three quarter sleeve. Oh my god! Shirt, and I was like, "Hey, dude, just wanted to let you know that uh, I wore flip flops and a, a three quarter raglan because you wore flip flops and a three quarter raglan." Yeah, people also
2: <laughs> like to wear the polos and like put the put the. You know the collars up yeah. and shit because they did yeah, it. Yeah, ABR did all was that, so dude. different at that time because they were that. the preppy boy metal. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, I did all of that. Every every one of those trends I did, and it's cool Same. because they let you uh, they let you admit that stuff to them, and and they think it's hilarious, uh, and they and they appreciate the impact that they've had.
2: Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy when people can be real trendsetters like that And then also make a band that's so original sounding Where the second that you hear it, you're like, yeah that's exactly I have a very
0: song. hard time accepting compliments from from musicians Like if somebody tells me like, that, that they listened to Miss May I And now they're this like successful up-and-coming act Whether they're bigger than us or smaller than us at that moment That doesn't matter, because like we were just talking about That is an ever-changing flip-flop kind of kind of thing um but it it always feels so weird to me i'm very bad at taking compliments they make me really uncomfortable um and that's that's one neat thing that's happened being that the band is so old now is i'll you'll you'll go on tour with a band that you think is just so goddamn heavy and you're like there's no way they've ever listened to my band or even know who the fuck my band is and then they're like, I listened to your band when I was in high school in, like, 2000-whatever-the-fuck. And you're like, what the fuck, man? I don't even know how I feel about that. And then I think about that, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's what I do to my friends in ABR all the time. I'm. <laughs> yep.
2: And then you got to remember, too, we've been out of school. Like, I've been out of high school for, like, 11 12 years.
0: Yeah, uh, I graduated Sounds in 2006. Like not that crazy. So 14 for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've actually been yeah, I've, definitely, I've had my license for as long as I've not had my license at this point. Like that's a so weird weird thing. Yeah, I'm 32 now and that makes me feel ancient when really in the real world 32 is still pretty young, but in band world that is usually like um that's a that's a pretty normal age but you usually don't have 12 years of touring under your belt by 32
2: that's the thing like most guys i think that the age also now like there are older people in the scene and it's more accepted and stuff like that where people i don't think really care i think a lot of it is just based off of the music if the music is relevant and the music is good. People give a shit. Yeah. If the music, it seemed
0: know. really important when, uh, like, when my band got signed in 0- 0809 Um, the the reason that I wasn't in Miss May I, you had to for be young moment, and hot. Yeah, the reason I wasn't in Miss May I for a moment was they they were all going to go to college, and then when I got an offer from another band that was already signed, I went and toured with that band for a bit because in my head I was like, well, I'm already, I'm already nineteen you know, and Devil Wears Prada signed when they were 16 and they're from Dayton and I'm three years behind. And this, this group of guys wants Did they to really? go to college. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they were starting to tour. I think Mike was only 17 when they started touring. Um, I'm actually older than a few of the guys in Prada. I'm the, uh, by a couple of months. I mean, I'm the exact same age as them, but they, they, um, uh, the Miss May I guys chose to finish high school, um, instead of, taken off early like attack attack or Prada did um oh okay so we were older in comparison to how old those guys were when they started touring by uh but I'm uh, I'm two years older than most of the members in Miss May I so oh. I actually went on tour with another band because I already felt too old I was like well fuck dude it was
2: Rose Funeral yeah World. I
0: did nine months of touring with them um and uh it was ah, the yeah yeah That wasn't that was not the best experience, but you know, you live and learn. But I got really lucky to get my spot in Miss May I back. I'm very very lucky that that came back around. Who'd they have in the interim time? There's this really great guitar player from Dayton named uh, Josh Gillespie, who was in a band called Body Harvest. Uh, And I was a massive fan of Josh Um, because you're talking local days still. This is when everybody involved with us was only Dayton. Um, and so Josh was in a, in a, in a competing band while I was in Miss May I. And then Josh came in and recorded apologies for the week actually. And, um, he kind of brought the darkest hour influence to that record, I think. Um, yeah. And, uh, he just, uh, I've never actually spoken to him. Um, since I, since I got the spot back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Um, or uh, as long as it's been that there's that we haven't crossed paths as small as Ohio is, but uh, he only did a few tour dates after the after they started the first tour, and then uh, for two shows, random people just played bass, and then I flew into Texas. Um, did he quit, or did you like come forward
2: and were like, "Hey, I want my spot"? Back.
0: No, no, he was gone first. I I I um I got the offer when he separated. I got a phone call. Oh, okay. They were in, um, they were in California, and they were heading back west. Um, and so I think Albuquerque and maybe one other show that maybe uh, chicks in El Paso. I think that's what it, where it was. I think they uh, they did two shows without a bass player on the very first tour, and then I flew into Houston, and my first show back with them was at Java Jazz in Houston. Um, That's and another interesting thing about that as a fellow singer is I had um, very little singing experience. We had done a demo that had one song with singing that I did in the studio, um, and it had a couple of syllables. We're talking like an a early metalcore-style singing part where it happens one time in the song for a very, very short little blip. It's not a repeating chorus or anything like that. And then by the time I came back into the band they had put one of those parts um because there's not repeating choruses and in, in apologies for the week either there's the same style like here's a singing part it's not a repeating chorus it's just a singing yeah. part that's why it used to just be a bridge part right? where someone
2: sings something and then screamo comes back
0: um and so there were i believe six songs on the record that had um a vocal melody in them and so when I rejoined the band, that was my duty, and so I just learned. I learned how to sing by by just fucking up in front of people for for a while. Um, I just, you know, I flew in, and I was just like, okay, I sing now, and uh, that meant I sounded like uh, a dog getting stepped on a lot of the a lot of the first year. Um, and then Monument was the first time I, with Sturgis, was the first time I got to actually figure out um, what I could bring to the table with my voice, and then yeah. that's a whole different ball game after you record something in the studio too, because before you've toured your own singing from a record, you're doing a lot of shit in the studio that's never going to be recreated live. You're not going to be able to do it. So yeah. then I had to learn after making that record, like okay, dude, you can't make a singing part that is eight bars long and has no breaths in it. That's impossible. Yep. Yeah, that's slave
2: to nothing for me. That's just singing a bunch of parts that are almost impossible. They
0: layer over each other. They, yep. Yeah, where, where a breath should be, the next word And it's starts. like three
2: harmonies and everything sounds insane where it's like, okay, I'm just going to play the computer now, thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, in my career, I've also done the opposite. So uh, Monument, first time. At heart, new producer, um, machine, a very different style of, of, uh, of creating songs. Much more, um, much more about the feel and the mood uh, and being in yeah. the moment when you're tracking the part. And then the next record, Terry Date, who is the kind of producer who's used to recording people like Pantera, where it's like, I don't change your fucking songs. I make what you give me sound as best as it can. And we're going to do it all for real. So like on Rise of the Lion, which was, a, which was our um, record that was out when we were touring with like Five Finger and uh, um, Avenge and that sort of thing, uh, I made it a point to not do vocal harmonies at all. They're not on the record. Um, only, on, uh, yeah. only on one song are their vocal, or two songs are their vocal harmonies. And people were pissed. People were really pissed off. They were like Well yeah,
2: Sturgis to that is very different. It
0: really shocked the the original fan base that we tried something different. But what was really interesting to me is all of the new fans from that record cycle were like, When you play these songs live, they literally sound exactly the same as the record. And I I got to be prideful and say like, Well, that's because in the studio I recorded out of a Fender Basement three hundred head into two eight tens and then I sang in one take on a lot of this stuff. Uh, And that's exactly what I'm doing live. So it's going to sound exactly the same. Um, So I've done it both ways now in my, or multiple ways now in my career. I've sang a record I didn't sing in the studio, which was one challenge. I've sang a record I did sing in the studio. That was um, nearly impossible. I also did that last year when I'm 10 years older and my voice is lower. That's another really hard one. And I've done the full analog one take to make the to sing the part kind of record as well. Um, So I've seen like all the different ways to do it. And I still feel like the last one with Drew is the first time I knew what I was doing, which is so funny that like on the fifth one, or yeah, on the fifth one, I feel like I finally um, knew what the hell I was doing. Yeah, I feel like as much as I miss singing choruses
2: sometimes, I'm glad that I only sing really easy shit now where they're just like, Hey Tuck, like here's a soft part. Can you just like mumble for a little bit? And like it sounds pretty? And I'm like, Yeah. So are you doing cool.
0: dramatically less? I I know I heard a few new songs on the yeah, tour. Yeah, I mean Um, are you doing a lot less on the on the record singing wise now or This
2: yeah, this one that's coming out, um is about the same as the last record, where I just sing in certain moments and is it Drew again? I sing softer parts and yeah, you know, it's just softer parts and um, like little texture moments here and there and stuff like that and. It's worked out really well where it's not, I still get to help write, you know, choruses or and contribute to that. But, you know, Ryan's the lead singer and we want him to do the majority of stuff. And then Daniel and I help out with harmonies and everything live and do our thing. And I still have my moments where we're still seeing success with Death Grip or When Everything Means Nothing or songs like that, where I do do my little, little soft R&B thing in the beginning or in a verse. And people like it. So we still got some of that shit too. And there's like, you know, a song that I sing on that I do sing in the chorus a bit, but it sounds like a you know, like a classic Fit for a King song. Yeah. You know. So So it's, you know, it's spread out. I would say I I might even do a little bit more on this record than I did last record, but
0: have you um, um have you heard any feedback on new songs uh where fans hear the audible difference and you have like a a split on them where some of them like the new direction of something or some of them uh, dislike the new direction or any polarizing yeah, kind of reactions I, like that? I, I, nothing too crazy. I mean, we made so
2: many new fans on the last record where they just kind of accept what we do. And then for the old fans, that still... I mean, there's still old fans who are like, creation and destruction the best. I miss Aaron, which... Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I, I still hear um,
0: people. We still hear the, you've never done anything um, good yeah. except apologies for the week. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah, whatever. Thanks. <laughs> and I have, you know,
2: some kids who come forward who are like the, you know, Slave to Nothing's my favorite record. I miss you singing a lot. But the reality is the band sounds better and is better the way it is now. It's supposed to be this way. It's. Kirby is meant to be the lead vocalist. And I still get to sing. I still do yeah. my thing. And I'm I'm very happy to do so. Um, and that's why I made my side project, Off-Road Minivan, because if I'm going to just try to sing a lot, I might as well sing on the shit that I feel comfortable on in that register, which is my side project, Off-Road Minivan, who has a new album called Swan Dive out now. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of those things where I as I started to sing less in fit for a King, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a side project and I'm going to do my own thing as well. And that's been really fun. And tooth and nail puts it out and everyone's really supportive and lets me have fun with it. And we don't play it too much because we're always touring and shit, but, um, or we were back when that was a thing, (laughs) but you know, really happy to have both entities, you know what I mean? Because the, it's the same way with fit for a King. If I could choose to sing on all the choruses, Or just sing on a death grip or a when everything means nothing and have those songs be as as successful as they are. I'll choose that all day, any day. Agreed. You know, I'd rather have people really want to sing along with me rather than just a bunch of people hear me and not really like it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And have it not be some, like, predetermined formulaic thing where it's like, okay, this is Tuck's part, we already know. I'm here for fucking home runs, bro.
2: I'm here for fucking grand slams. I'm not coming here to do some stupid bullshit. I'm going to come on this song. I'm going to sing really fucking good and everybody's going to like it. It's good stuff.
0: That's the truth, man. So and one thing that we all learn as we make more and more records is you get some you have some bunts and you have some you have some home runs and uh Yep uh i'm like that i've got entire records that i don't want to play or listen to and i've got songs i don't even remember and then i've got songs that i listen back to and i'm like why the fuck didn't that one ever get popular you know
2: you know yeah i definitely agree with those too. there's definitely songs like that where i'm like huh, i really expected this one to do much better than it did um But, you know, that's just part of the game, man. And I think that the most important thing is remaining objective and being able to look at your own catalog, look at the stats. And that's one thing that Kirby taught me, too, where he was like, it doesn't matter what shit we like. It matters what the fans like. And if the fans are listening to these songs, these are the songs that we should play for them Mm -hmm. because that's what they want. And then you throw in the deep cuts you do tours where you get to do you know a whole album front to back for five days and then not play it for anyone else. And I'll probably never get to play some of those songs for anyone else. And it fucking sucks.
0: But Yeah, um, I got to do that last summer. And it was actually way more fun than I thought it would be. I, I thought I was always going to be the disgruntled, new stuff is always the best. So no one ever- yeah. And then we played the songs. And I was like, man, some of these are really fucking cool.
2: Dude. There was that one interlude song that we were playing from Dark Skies that, you know, we'll probably never play live again unless we do a 10-year for that record if we're still a band 10 years from now. And it's just, it was one of those things where every night when I played it, I'd get so like emotional and have that moment where I'm like, holy shit, this is real. And, uh, you know, at least I got to do it a little bit. I look at it really fondly, um, those couple nights that we got to play that album for people and have that moment. And, you know, it's just crazy being around such talent all the time. I mean, being around a Crystal Lake and, you know, seeing Alpha Wolf do do their first U.S. tour. It was just a whole bunch of special stuff.
0: But, you know, yeah, some of those songs will probably never get seen again. Crystal Lake, not an easy one. My God. Fucking sucks. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. We were doing, I remember that too, yeah. we were following on that ABR tour. We were sandwiched between Fit and you. Or sorry, sandwiched between um, Crystal Lake and you guys. And probably the most difficult positioning on a tour that we've ever had. But when you are um, an experienced musician, you know that you take that as a opportunity to, to elevate yourself. Because you're like, we don't have any space to not be good because look at who's right before us and look at who's right after us like there is no room to not be as awesome as you can be on a tour like that
2: yeah just gotta go out and slam ass every night but you know luckily our bands do and we have fun and it's great and i always love touring with you guys and i can't wait to do more because i'm sure it's gonna fucking happen same you know yeah there's You know, it's pretty much impossible that, as our bands exist, that for us not to play some shows together. So yeah,
0: we're both metalcore daddies. both metalcore daddies. So I, I can see it. I can see it happening again.
2: I am the Joe Rogan of metalcore, and this is get tucked. You know what? I didn't ask you the fucking thing. I always ask everybody, "Hey, are you ready to get tucked?" And then they're like, "Yeah, I'm ready." (laughs) But I didn't ask you that this time. Is
0: Is that your lead in? Are you ready to get tucked?
2: yeah yeah that's my lead in. you know what's you know, funny fun. i was
0: thinking about saying that i didn't know if you said that or not and i was thinking about starting about saying that right off the bat and now i wish i would have because i would have just stolen your thunder right off the bat so- dude
2: i would have loved that yeah sometimes i get high and i forget that i'm supposed to say that it's not even i'm supposed to say it's my fucking show i can say whatever i want but i like to say it because it's fun and uh, last week it was weird though, because it was a girl. And like, so I didn't really feel like I should say that to a lady. Yeah. And like, so I said, I said it nice and she was cool. um But I didn't say it like, you know, full on, like, you know, you ready to get trucked. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, it's kind of gross. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Have you ever heard my theme song? I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, send it it's, to, it's to me. It's
0: fun. I made a it's I I made a podcast three different times now and I'm, do one episode and then I just quit doing it. So I gotta I gotta give you props for the for actually sticking it out. I don't know. I got a real follow through problem, bro. Well there was a few of us who started them at
2: the same time. Like you started one, I started one, Joe I even called you and got advice on how to
0: set it up better and then I still didn't do it. Yeah.
2: You you know, I think it's you know, you'll find your time where you like wanna do it and have the guests on that you want and find your niche I guess where um, it's just provided me something fun to do this whole fucking time. And I needed an excuse to talk to my friends. And, uh, you know, now that we have been lucky enough to have Adobe help out and put it out on their show on Mondays, that kind of gave me an extra enthusiasm where I was like, okay, like maybe people are starting sure. to like this thing. And yeah, you know, it feels really good. Um, cause you know, I've, my whole thing has just always been, you know, I love to play instruments and I love to sing and all that, but I just always wanted to be an entertainer. And whether I get to do it on radio or dance or sing or whatever, I'm just happy to be here and have anyone
0: give a fuck. So, thank you to everyone listening to Get Tucked today. Yeah, and because you um, listen to him, now you get to listen to me ramble. You got to God listen to it. me ramble on whatever, whatever we talked about in the last two hours.
1: I want to see your face.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've just been thinking about, you know, fun screamo things to sing as we talk about all these bands. Because I also wanted to do that, like, Devil wears Prada, Hey John bridge. He
1: wears a fly jacket and um,
2: But Because I like to add really bad singing on my show for everyone to understand how talented and
0: raw I am. Talented and raw, that's right. That's right. Raw like a paper. Have you had uh, Jeremy on yet? No, I haven't. What a, I need to, what a and guy. They they started a show too. Yeah,
2: um, that, their a lot show's of been bands cool. and
0: a lot of guys have done really cool things, and my and my band has just been you know quiet and just chilling. Um, and, I recommend every band
2: has a podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I should do a lot more things for my band, but. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I've just been- You can do
2: it like Shane, too, where Shanes are only like an hour, 45 minutes or so. They're not that long. They're really fun. You can blast through a bunch of them. He's got a great following. Shane Told's Lead Singer Syndrome, fantastic yeah, podcast it's great. to
0: follow. That's a really good one.
2: Yeah. I love his model, but dude, I am gonna jet because I got some more shit to do today. Yep, to keep up with featuredx.com,
0: which is going to take over the fucking screamo world. Well, thanks for having me, dude. I'm, uh, dude, of course. I'm off to the dude to write some tunes with the boys. Tell everyone that I said hi. Will do. And that I
2: love him. Will do. And uh, yeah, I, I, thanks for being on the show, man. I hope you had fun getting tucked. I wish I could tuck you into a bed in your bunk after you know a nice nightcap. Instead, <laughs> yeah, in the future,
0: after a after a lovely joint outside the bus with you, I, and Ryan from Currents,
2: dude, absolutely. You, <laughs> he's got a new cool. <laughs> he's got a new Pokemon Instagram. Ryan from Currents does. I need to find this real quick and plug it because I should. Because why not? Um. The triple, the triple the
0: yeah. Triple Ryan show was was live every night
2: on uh, this tour. God, I love him so yeah, much. He's, he's so great. It's uh it's called Poke Luminati, P-O-K-E-L-L-U-M, I-N-A-T-I. Go follow it on Instagram. He opens Pokemon packs and it's awesome. Oh my um, god. <laughs> yeah, everyone's having fun while in quarantine. Um but his girls, fr- his girlfriend's from like Poland, so he can't even fucking see her. Oh if he my god! Yeah, could get in his car and drive. So it doesn't, you know, he's screwed right now, you know. But whatever, fuck it. Hey, dude, I love you. Love you too, Thank buddy. You for being on my show yeah. and uh, have fun with everybody today. And I'll talk to you
0: soon. Cool, man. Thank you so much.
2: See ya. Okay, okay, okay. That was the show. I love talking gear and chatting with my dude Ryan Neff. I know we talk about basses far too much, but. Now that we both have switched recently, it's very nice to actually get to talk to someone who's playing similar guitars to me. Um, Miss May I are an incredible camp. I've had some of the best times with those dudes. I cannot wait to hear these new tunes they've been working on from what Ryan has told me on and off air. I know we're in for some new surprises of the heavy variety. Cherish the people you have in your circle, folks. I'm one lucky dude, Dimash, for a living, and I hope we can all come back to it sooner than later. For now, thank you for tuning into the show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern on Adobe Howl and on all platforms every Wednesday. See you next week, and as always, remember to get tucked.
0: My name is Zach Lupiton you may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road for the last five seasons